You know, like there's a lot of weird, weird stuff. I think a lot of uh, Christian leadership is, and it's tough too, and soft might not be the right word to describe it, but I think that we as Christians can have a tendency to be like, like you want to, yeah, and you want to assume the best in people and you want to believe that Jesus can have transformative effect in anybody's life. Yeah. And he can, yeah. but I think too many people, and myself included, and and I could tell you an interesting story about this, but um, is just too like how how do you be too forgiving? Yeah. But at the same time, naive I think is a great a great way to describe it. Yeah, I think we have bad boundaries. Oh, okay, that's a great way to describe it. That's what I was trying yeah. to get at. I is this on the podcast? Uh, I'm recording now, but we can cut out anything. No, oh, keep it. Yeah, for I'll, sure. We well, let me s- let me introduce our guest real quick before we get to <laughs> yeah. it. The thick things. I'm sitting here with uh, Joel Jacobson, hello. hello, who is the executive uh, music pastor at Crossroads Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Also, that, a good friend of mine. Hey, buddy, that title made me sound really, really cool. I sa- I added the executive. Part yeah, just because <laughs> you can just call <laughs> just me. Just to make you uncomfortable. Just call me Joel. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a worship pastor, but yep. I like Joel. Twisted my arm and had had me get on the worship team with you. And, I did, and I said the one condition of that is you got to come on the podcast. So here we are. Yep, and you're an awesome keys player, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. You busted out that grand piano, dude. It, it sounds fun. so good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a little out of tune, but I really enjoyed well, it. Yeah, we didn't have time to tune it. Yeah, so it was a little honky. But yeah. you know what, Grandma Nancy loved it. I'm sure she did. She sure just she oh, ate it up. Those big bombastic chords that I was playing, yeah. so like somebody would hear me over the scream. Your screaming guitar. No, no, no. <laughs> We're blended in, buddy. Yep, blended yep. in. It's a, it's a team. We had effort. a solo together. That is true. We had a little, uh, little one hook. Of, one of the best hooks in all of contemporary Christian music, right there. It is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's one of the best. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's good. Uh, so before uh, we were talking about. Um, uh, just uh, car accident style um, church <laughs> events because you're yeah. you're a pastor and you're very plugged in with the um, uh, you know within the church community. I'm I'm I don't I don't want to say I'm an innocent bystander, but I just don't have my ear to the ground with the inner workings of pastoral ministry. Like that's just not something that's on my radar. Like yeah. you you rattled off three very well known, I'm sure. Um, pastors that in that world and I, i've just never heard of them before so yeah. um but it, it makes sense to have you know these you know in order to build a giant church and um there there are business elements to building a church it's it's like the um there's an idiom that would describe it really well that i can't think of but what's a lot of marketing yeah you know like like branding yeah, you kind of get an image, kind of get like a target audience, because it becomes a business, you know, organization for sure. And you and there, it's almost like um, it, it's a necessary evil. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. Because when you do have a bunch of people under an umbrella that's working for a common goal, they're getting a paycheck from the church. You you yeah. do have. There are business elements to it. Um, but we were talking earlier that. Um, there some certain type A CEOs get into these powerful positions, and then they completely forget about 
you know, whatever it was that got them to that point or the, the fact or why they even started a church to begin with. Or I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had to. That's funny. Um, Thank you, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Joe just put pull, up a picture up. of a like a psych picture, you know, where it's like they threw <laughs> what paint. What do you see? Yeah, what do you see? Uh, I see, you know, a deer in the, in the field. I saw dancing a, a, a butterfly, but yeah. um, Ooh, you know what though? It kind of looks like uh, a wolf on a mountain. Mm. You can get like a snake. Face there, I've, I totally interrupt, interrupted your train of thought, but I've been trying for like the last five minutes to pull this up. <laughs> Joe, this made my day, buddy. Thank That's you, funny. thank That's you. I appreciate that. That's so good. Um, so yeah, what were we talking about? Uh, just like the idea of church and business kind of going hand in hand, mm-hmm. and kind of how it needs to happen in some way, and then there's like a downfall for sure. to it. So, uh. I have a lot of thoughts on this, so you know we can start. Yeah. So, do uh, you think? Do you think that um, in in some of those publicized situations where a mega church pastor has an affair or abuses a power, what, whatever it may be, do you think that it's somebody who had good intentions to start with that drifted, or somebody that just like, hey, all these dummies are going to give money to my cause and I'm going to have run an extremely profitable business that with lots of tax advantages. Do you think that there's a little bit of both or maybe one or the other? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of both. Okay. I think it really depends on who it is. Um, yeah, I can think of like uh, – even like Bill Hybels, who is at Willow Creek Church in Chicago, I think they were like, maybe their high high attendance days were like 20,000 or something. So like, Okay, that's an NBA arena. Yeah, pretty context. huge. Yeah. Like, I actually went to Willow Creek once, and it's like three stories in their sanctuary, like three balconies, huge stage, all these lights and stuff. It's insane. And, uh, and I think for like someone like him, and I – don't know much, but the little that I do know, I think like his story is that he started out like, I just want to tell people about Jesus, mm-hmm. which is a really noble thing. And then it grew and they started getting power. And the whole idea of like Christian celebrity is like really, really weird to mm-hmm. me because like, I don't know. We're just like, if you look at all the, like the apostles or the disciples in acts and in the Bible, they're like, a bunch of poor people that were fishermen that like had nothing, but they're going to uh, all these cities and all they're trying to do is spread the gospel. Sure. And they have like nothing. And now we've turned it into a thing where like, you know, there's the Instagram page called uh, preachers and sneakers where like people take photos of their preacher and he has like thousand dollar pair of shoes. And we're like, Hmm, is that okay? But is it, but is but it is wrong? It? It's not necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily right. So I think what it all comes down to is like, how do you handle your power? Sure. So like for Bill, unfortunately, like uh, there's a bunch of sexual allegations that came out against him. And like, I think most of it was true. So for someone like him who started out good, like. That's a that's a case of drifting. Yeah, drifting, and maybe there's something early, like in his heart in the beginning. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. we don't know. Sure. 
you know, if we ever have a chance, if you ever have a chance to have Bill here. Probably you know, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. <laughs> that bridge has been burned five <laughs> minutes ago. So I really do think it just depends on the person, though, because I think there are a lot of good people that go into ministry and then they get burned out. Mm-hmm. Being a pastor is a tough job because you're Absolutely. dealing with people 24-7. Absolutely. And it like it's not a job you can clock in and out. You can try to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to have boundaries, but, sure. like, you know, there's always something coming up or people that, like, uh, in my mind, like a pastor, the number one role is just spiritual uh, direction. Mm-hmm. So how do you lead people to Jesus? That to me is like the biggest thing. Sure. But do you and, end up being like a quasi, like a free quasi counselor at some point? Yeah. I, and I know the answer to that because I, in the little time I've spent with you in church settings, I've probably witnessed that a half dozen times. Yeah. Just, and, and I don't follow you around like watching people talk to you, but just things that have been said in passing and stuff like that. I've picked up on that and, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But how do you balance? How, how do you how do you do you set those boundaries? Um, For me, it's like it's vetting what's really urgent and what's not. OK, so like uh, if I'm spending time and uh, I'm not great at this, too. So I'm sure my wife will listen to this because I'll tell her to and she'll be like, eh, but like, uh. You know, if we're trying to have like a family event or doing something together, like I'll put my phone away or I'll try not to look at it. Or like for me, it's like maybe not answering emails because at the end of the day, a lot of things that uh, I do for my church, like the organizational things, you know, to bring it back to the business side, aren't life and death. Uh, And the other side, too, is not making it about you. Mm Because I think so often with pastors, you can make it about yourself. For sure. Mm. And, uh, And it's like, you know, the whole church wants to go to you to talk to or like to talk about your problems. So like, you know, Joe, say you're struggling with anxiety and, you know, but we also have like 400 people struggling with anxiety and they all come to your pastor, Mm -hmm. me. It's like, it's so much harder for me to, you know, be helpful to every single person. So mm-hmm. then it's like get a team of people that can uh, help each other out. Sure. So yeah. like maybe I'm like, Joe, you know who also struggles with anxiety but is on the other side of it? Justin. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin can help you out. And so that's another thing too of just creating the boundaries to make it less about you mm-hmm. uh, and make it more about the community. Or mm. like even for people too, I, you know, uh, I'm just thinking of – like a lot of stuff when it comes to church that like the Bible in first Peter two, nine calls us the Royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. So meaning that like all of us who believe in Jesus become a priest. So we all have access to God. And I think that really empowers people too, just because I have the title of pastor doesn't mean that, you know, I, uh, I have all the answers, right? You yourself can go to scripture or talk about or, or go to your neighbor or go, to a fellow Christian or whatnot. So all those things, I, I don't know if I beat around the bush and answering that, but that's to me, that kind of helps with boundaries because then I could be like, no, you, you can actually be a part of the solution too. I'm not the only one that can help. Because there, there's lots of like, that like, it's like almost drama might not be the right word. That might be a little too harsh, but there's all sorts of drama that you're going to get pulled into being a 
being a pastor and stuff like that, some of which you're either not interested in or not qualified to handle or just you don't want some of that stuff bleeding into your life. Like how much, like, do you feel like, do you bear the brunt of that responsibility sometimes? Or are there, are there times where you're just like, Hey, this is like not my problem. This is like not a great question to ask. Oh no, you're fine. I'm I'm curious. Like this is, this is something that I've, I've wondered about past, like being a pastor in pastoral ministry. Yeah. For me, uh, as much as there are problems, I try to look at everyone as a gift. Mm-hmm. So like when someone's really annoying or someone <laughs> like, cause we all have that. Yep. I'm really oh, yeah. annoying. Like ask my family. I'll even ask you, Justin. I'm probably annoying, aren't I? No, you're not. No, it's you can, it's a bold faced lie. You don't have to lie. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. You can tell the yep. truth. Uh, but for me, it's like, I see everyone as a gift. So even if like, say Joe, you know, because I deal with a lot of musicians. You know, musicians can be extra drama. Mm-hmm. They yeah. really can be. And it's like part of part of their description. That's like their job description. They're supposed to be annoying. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we are. We're divas. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> and so, like Joe, say, like I don't know, dude, you're a bass player, right? And do you play any instruments? Uh, I've played percussion for like almost a decade. For real? For real? What like drums? Yeah, like drums. I. I Taught myself a little bit of drum set, but mostly uh, Sweet. concert percussion and oh. uh, like drum line. Dude, you're awesome, man. Yeah. Did I, you did you play the snare? Oh, yeah. I played did, everything. You played everything in the drum yep. line? Every year was a different instrument for me. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to switch it to drums then, okay? This analogy. Yeah. Okay. So say we're playing in the drum line. You know, we'll take ourselves out of church. Or maybe we're playing the drum line sure. in church. Whatever. Uh Say you're playing snare, and you're playing a beat, and I'm like, dude, like, can you just, your beat sucks. Can you play a better beat? <laughs> you might get angry, but I kind of have something in mind. Like, I'm I'm trying to lead our team, and you might get angry with me. And I think often the case, the reason why I bring this up is because often the case, I feel like uh, we could easily go, like, just listen to me. You're wrong, mm. Joe. I'm right. Just listen to me. But if I said, Joe, you're a gift, what you're bringing to the table could actually be amazing. Maybe I'm wrong or maybe you're wrong, but let's work it out together. Let's figure out the path forward from here. Something's not right between the two of us. We're not meshing correctly. How can we move forward? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. because it's a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So within within anything, like I can look at you and just be like, maybe it's not my favorite drum part, mm-hmm. but like... I don't know, maybe you just spent 40 hours with your girlfriend and worked 40 hours and you had no time to practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it is what it is. So, or like, uh, you know, if people have certain opinions about songs or like about how church should be, I just, you know, like love to hear it out because at the end of the day, excuse me, I could be wrong too. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the odds of that are being are very low when we're talking about like actual songs and stuff. But no, 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 very low. Well, it was funny because <laughs> at band practice last week, when old boy on the acoustic kept coming in too early on one thing, and you were just like, "No, that's not right, Maggie. What are you doing down here?" She's my uh, <laughs> partner. partner. All right, as long as she's quiet. But <laughs> no, that was uh, that was just a funny thought that ran across my mind. And 
Who's they, pl- who's playing a acoustic- Oh, uh, Paul. Paul. Yeah, he was yeah. playing the wrong chords. Yeah, he was playing the wrong chords. And I was like, <laughs> and you're like, hey, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. But you guys have a good relationship, and yeah. there's no there. It wasn't an ego thing. It was just a it was a misunderstanding. And he, and then we listened to the film, and <laughs> turns and he out he was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And th- and that's honestly that's the thing with all things that may be frustrating within a church. You know, like you hear of churches that divide on carpet or you know who's preaching or whatever it's stuff like, that doesn't matter right exactly and you know paul says in one of his letters i can't remember for sure but he talks about like as long as you confess that jesus christ is lord then you're saved or mm-hmm. you're part of the kingdom and for me that's really all, that's all that matters mm-hmm. you know like all the other stuff is just preference but we fight so hard for preference and then i just go well let's think about it let's decide as a community and from there we can move on. Yeah. Because we're family. So that's, to me, that's kind of where, like, I see everyone as, like, an opportunity to show love, to show grace, and to show who Jesus is. Now, I will tell you a funny story. I did fight with my neighbor right before I came here. Oh, I want to hear <laughs> like, this. Like, in the middle of the street, we're both, like, yelling at each other. <laughs> okay, I got to hear yeah, this. Yeah, so, long story, and I'll try to explain this well and quickly. Okay. But... Basically, we bought our house a few years ago, and we've had a mudroom that's been falling off our house. Yeah, yeah. So and you're, we've you're had like getting rid of it. Fifteen contractors come out. No one can save this thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I like we ended up just tearing it down. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're tearing it down, uh, my neighbor calls the city of Grand Rapids <sighs> and goes, "You have no permit. Like you're throwing trash everywhere." And we're like, "What the?" What the heck? It's a construction site. It's a construction site, and our contractor, like, called ahead, got everything that we needed, and then, like, I guess there was something where, like, uh, uh, we had siding on the side of our house, and she didn't like it, so she, like, called the city, and then made up a bunch of other stuff about, like, raccoons. It was... There's always one. Yeah, there... It was, like, the craziest thing. She just kept, like, saying a bunch of random stuff about, like, mm-hmm. our house and what we're doing. And I'm like, you don't even know us. Yeah. But you're telling us every single thing that's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. But you, not once has she, like, done anything Yeah. with us, even though we've tried to invite her to stuff and, like, talk to her and stuff. So, like, she's, like, texting me all day, like, you're not listening. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the, the city on you until you do all this stuff. And I'm like, what? Well, so I go over to there, to her house, you know, next door, yeah. 10 feet away. And uh, and I'm just like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, you're so angry for no reason. And then she went off on me, and uh, we finally resolved it. But here I am in the middle of the street, just like screaming at my neighbor because she's screaming back at me. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> and then I realized at the end of the day, I did not love my neighbor well. So this is more of a confession time oh. with your buddy Joel. But no, there's just, it, you know, like it's one of those things where she's annoying. It was awful, mm-hmm. but she's a gift. Yeah. So that's, that is such a kind perspective. Cause I've got one of those too. And, uh, our gate broke in the backyard and we always let Maggie run around in, in the backyard and, uh, the gate broke and, 
we had I had been I was busy, I didn't get it fixed, and there are a couple times where Maggie went over to our neighbor's house. I'll leave her name out for legal purposes. <laughs> <laughs> but said neighbor, we'll go we'll go with the the pseudonym Karen for now, but um Karen, um uh we didn't find this out until Maggie got out, but Karen we we don't we'd never had problems with Karen. Like she came over and she gave Maggie treats like right after we first moved in. Um, Maggie's a great dog. Um, we let her run around outside. Um, she's friendly with people and she always comes when she's called. She's very loyal. She typically sticks around. So we're not like super strict about, you know, when we, when she's out in the front yard, if we're out there, she's not on a leash. She'll just hang out. She doesn't typically go in other people's yards, but my gate broke. And so she was going, she went exploring cause we left her out there for a couple hours. Like we normally do in the morning to let her do her thing and just kind of wander around. So we didn't know she was out. So apparently she went over to Karen's house because oh, no. Karen gave her treats. And so she <laughs> remembered that. And Karen only Karen lives 500 feet from here, so very, very close. And so Karen has a ring doorbell, and she saw Maggie sniffing around. And all of a sudden we have a huge problem on our hands. And she comes over and says, the reason that I brought dog treats over was because I, th- I saw on my ring doorbell a white male with a black dog walked your dog up to my front porch to let her sniff around right after you moved in. And I'm like, I was like so taken aback by that. And I'm like, well, first of all, that didn't happen. Second of all, you're profiling. So knock it off. Right. (laughs) And third of all, um, Maggie came over to your house because you gave her treats and she likes you. And she also accused us of Maggie ripping up her flowers and, and I was like, well, send me the footage. And the footage said that she didn't do any of that. So, but yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. At the it's end of the day, situation. everything is fine. There is no yeah. damage done. There is nothing wrong. But yeah. a neighbor had a problem with me. And yeah. I was not nice to my neighbor either. So. Because it's frustrating. It is. When your neighbor has a problem with you. Yeah. But like, here's the thing I forgot to share. My neighbor lets her dog poop in our yard. Non-stop. Oh, you should be caring then. And like in our backyard, I had to kick this dog out. We pick up the poop. Not once have we done anything mean to our neighbor. Mm. We'll call her Karen too. You should put the bag on her front porch and light it on fire. (laughs) I just, you know what though? I just accept it. I go, my neighbor's older. So I'm like, you know what? We'll take care of the dog. It's fine. Not a big deal. And then it feels like when you go around someone's back, and you just call the city rather than just ask your neighbor what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yep. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. All you have to do is ask your neighbor rather than profile your neighbor. Right. That yeah. you're some weirdo with a dog. Yeah. All you have to do is just ask. Yeah. Could have come talk to me. Instead, you brought my dog treats as a peace treaty between you and the dog versus having an adult conversation <laughs> with me. And then I would have told you yeah. a year and a half ago that... I don't walk my dog on a leash, so like I wouldn't walk my dog on a leash up to your porch. <laughs> I play fetch with my dog in the front yard, and that's how she gets her exercise. But well, no people want to take the easy route for sure, and that's what it is. Yeah, like for your neighbor bringing a dog treat for my neighbor, making a silly phone call. Sure, it's just the easy route. Yeah, Joe, do you have any crazy neighbors? I do. Not. I'm not. I'm not the victim of this, Karen. And it's funny. Are you the Karen? No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. It, so. Older neighborhood, we've had a few new neighbors move in recently. Uh, one or some degenerate kids next door, and they're 
generally okay, but the across the street from them moved in like a, a textbook Karen. Mm. Uh, some friends of ours that live across like kind of kitty corner from her, uh, the the gentleman Joe was out grilling, and he's like, oh, I'll I have some trash, and he like left it on the porch, went to eat dinner, and then by the time he got back out, like half hour, maybe an hour later, the Karen had called the city and they got fined like $30 for leaving trash on the porch for an hour. Oh, my word. That was my first impression of her into the neighborhood. It's not a good one. No. And like in the neighborhood, Joe and his wife and the other, there's like three other couples kind of at our end of the street. Like, we're close. We talk to each other. Like, if there's an issue, like... We talk about it. It's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It makes everything better. Yeah. There this is like for this, this is an exercise in being neighborly for us because we um we moved when we moved down here, we moved a couple times, but then we moved into an apartment for three years and the neighbors are all in and out, never really built any relationships. Um, except with Jose. Jose was awesome. He was our first floor neighbor. Always drunk, but he was great. They made us salsa and tamales. It was amazing. This sounds like a nice guy. Great dude. Yeah. Loved Jose. Um, but then, like, our the last house that we bought in Alger Heights, neighbors were kind of weird. Um, we, we did... There was a couple across the street that had some kids that we, we got to know pretty well, and they were okay. Nice. But, like, um, this... This community that we moved into is much more interested in like talking and a lot of older people um, that have lived here for 20 years. And so they're a lot more invested in the community. So when we moved and moved here, everybody was welcomed. Like we had, yeah. you know, plus we had a new baby. So like our neighbors that we never talked to, they brought over a big box of diapers and just like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. So it was Fantastic. like great. It was great. Yeah. And then there's oh, just yeah. one oddball. <laughs> 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 That made it interesting for a little bit. We we figured things out with with Karen, but it was it was an interesting few weeks there. So well, and this goes back to the conversation on boundaries. I don't know if we recorded. I can't remember when we started recording, but we talked about how like Christians have bad boundaries, mm-hmm. and I feel mm-hmm. like when it comes to like being a good neighbor, I think setting up like healthy boundaries is key. I agree. so like communication. That's yep. a great boundary. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a way or like, uh, you know, for my example, to beat a dead horse, like my neighbor, you know, asked me to like send her updates on every single house project. Plus, like, tell her like what we're doing and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not my Do mom. you need a yeah. friend? <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to say that. But you know what? When I walk past you, I'll say hi. hi and I'll stay around for like mm-hmm. 30 extra seconds. And shoot the breeze with you. Yeah. That, it sounds great. Sure. But I'm not going to tell you exactly everything that I'm doing in my house. You don't need to know. None your business. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just a silly thing. So it's like, or, so it's just kind of setting out those boundaries to be like, no, I don't have to do what you've asked yeah, me to. Yeah, for sure. So that's the thing with being a good neighbor. You know, I want Fred Rogers to be proud of us <laughs> at the end of the day. Yes. Rest in peace. Yeah. Indeed. So. I just watched uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. On my way to Turkey. Okay. This is my segue if you want to talk about Let's do it. Let's bridge Turkey. the gap. But, uh, oh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was a fantastic movie. Okay. 
It's not just about Fred Rogers, but it's about the story of a family in love. Okay. Mm. So, good really plug. Good. It's on the, it's on the list now. Yeah, like, yeah. We'll immediately check it out. I literally cried. Available on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I watched it on the little tiny screen gotcha. in front of me. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sure it's probably on Amazon. Okay. You could probably rent it for like two bucks. Maybe Hulu. Sounds good. I think Google actually started that. Like, if you type in a movie, it'll show you where to watch it. I believe it. Oh, I'm doing that right now. Try Don't it, Joe. Worry. Let's see. <laughs> Pull that up, Joe. It's on Hulu. Hulu. There, there you go. go. Cool. Hulu, uh, and Amazon Prime as well. Ooh. Nice. The The thing is, like, uh, it's about a guy who had a broken relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a terrible relationship with my dad growing up. Mm-hmm. So it just it felt too close to home, man. Oh, gotcha. So it I hit just, you right in the feels. Oh yeah, Fred Rogers, man. He just has some win- wisdom. Tom Hanks just does a good job. Tom Hanks is the goat, dude. He's so good. Every movie he he's in, it just is amazing. Yeah. Like one of the most underrated movies he was in was um, um, Captain Philip Philip Captain yeah, Phillips. Yeah, Captain Phillips. Oh, is that uh, the one with the Pirates? Somalian Pirates? Yeah. yeah, great movie. I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Great movie. It was, it was very, it was intense, but like his his acting in that movie just unbelievable, unbelievable. So anyway, Turkey, Turkey. So you went on in so of what interest? So you went there with the church, right? So yeah. the church leadership and a handful of people. Yeah. Um, how many total people went? Uh, it's 20 something. 20 something. Okay. Yeah. So from a historical standpoint, what would make, ge- like from a geographic standpoint, what makes Turkey so interesting um, from a biblical standpoint? Like what events took place there? Like what did, what did you yeah. guys see that was interesting? So a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, a- the stories in the book of Acts came, f- were based in Turkey. Okay. Um, if you read anywhere in uh, scripture where it says Asia, like it'll say like, and Paul went throughout the region of Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all Turkey. Okay. Cause that's the, what the Romans classified it as. Uh, uh, there's a few letters from Paul. So like Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philemon, um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, shoot. Philemon is that Philemon Philemon yeah. is that what yeah, it looks it's like just, okay. yeah it looks like Philemon I never knew it was Philemon. pronounced <laughs> you can say Philemon honestly I think most people say Philemon okay so if you say it that way no one really cares okay because I'm like wait that the first yeah. three sounded familiar this Philemon or that didn't sound yeah. familiar but okay and I'm thinking uh it's debated on who actually wrote John one like first through three John sure uh, some say the, uh, the apostle John, and if it was, then he was probably in Turkey when he wrote it. Okay. Um, and then the book of revelation was okay. written in Turkey. So, uh, a lot of the trip that we did, uh, was to study the, the seven churches. Cause in the beginning in chapters two and three, Jesus has a message for seven churches in, uh, Turkey. And so we actually went to each of those cities, um, Six out of seven are in ruins, and uh, and so we ended up just reading the letter okay. in, in those cities, and then talking about like the historical side of it. So it's really cool. It it was sweet because it was 
like probably uh maybe 10 people from crossroads and there were people from like south carolina and other people from grand rapids okay. plus like uh a few people from texas so it's nice to like see a lot of different different people mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's really good because uh you know uh turkey is one of the most beautiful places in the entire world uh this is actually my second trip to turkey the first time i bought a groupon okay with brit <laughs> and uh and we just like paid for it jumped mm-hmm. on a plane got in istanbul and went on a crazy adventure but this one was really focused on uh like the biblical side of it because mm-hmm. uh, you have like i think it's acts 19 paul's in ephesus and there's a lot of drama that happens with that uh like paul goes throughout like laodicea and uh and other places and stuff so okay yeah so the turkey you don't think of as like a, you know i think we as americans myself included have a problem differentiating turkey from some of the other middle eastern countries iran afghanistan saudi arabia what what makes turkey different than some of those countries that i, I don't you've probably haven't been to afghanistan or iraq or anything but. no but i actually want to go okay maybe not afghanistan not right, right now. now not right now just because yeah. the taliban and all that fun stuff yep or not fun terrible yeah. stuff mm-hmm. but uh Honestly, a lot of Turkey is westernized. And so because you have Istanbul, so Istanbul, uh, I'm going to pretend I have a map with my hand okay? because I'm from Michigan. That's what I do. Yep. And uh, for those who are listening, you can't see this. Joe, but pull that, pull that up. We we have oh, we have big yeah, screens and a computer here. We don't yeah. need, we don't need hands. Oh, there you go. And we have a Joe. So thank you, Joe, my my friend, so. my gift, your gift, Joe. Why, thank you. I was really hoping when you put in Turkey map that a turkey <laughs> would show up. So if you Big zoom in a little bit. shows up. Uh, actually, can you, would you mind putting up like a map of, like, can you say like, uh, maybe if you get out of actual Google Google maps, but then go back to the, the like search the bar. Images. Yeah, and then uh, if you can do like a, like an ancient Turkey map or something. So that way we can kind of see it in the days of Roman era. Let's see if anything shows up. Turkey tours. Ooh. Um, Maybe, yeah. It's probably going to be better. Oh, my word. What about this? No, that's just Roman Empire. Well, yeah, click the... That might actually be what we're looking for. That's yeah. That's turkey right there. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, perfect. So Beautiful. on the screen it says Byzantium because that was what it was called in the time of the early Roman Empire, but uh, that is now Istanbul. If you've ever heard of Constantinople, that's what it was called before okay. Istanbul. Um, for anyone uh, at home that wants to see this picture, this is a map of Turkey in 30 BCE. As they as they quote it here, love it. Um, so basically, a- a- Asia Minor under Rome. Yeah. Yep. So because there's Istanbul now, uh, and it's technically in Europe, you get a lot of 
uh, European influence within it. And Turkey is not a Muslim country. It's actually a free country. So Turkey was started in like 1934, 35, or 36, I can't remember, mm-hmm. by a, name, a guy named Ataturk. Uh, he was like the founder of Turkey, the first like president or uh, prime minister, whatever they called it. Please Wikipedia this and fact check <laughs> me as I go. Yes, thank That's you, exactly Joe. what I'm doing. That's oh. what the second screen's for. You're Love amazing. It. Love it. Establishment War of Independence, nineteenth uh, of May, nineteen nineteen. Oh, okay. So during World War One, all this is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The current Constitution was founded November nine, nineteen eighty-two. Interesting. I thought there was something going on with the thirties, but uh, in the twenties, there were there was the Grand National Assembly of Turkey in April of nineteen twenty, the day before my birthday, in. Uh, 1920. Hey, you're happy birthday, buddy. (laughs) You know what it is? Yeah. Uh, 101 years old. Hagia Sophia is a church in Istanbul. It's like the one of the world's largest ancient churches, and that turned into a museum in like 1934, 35. I taught in Istanbul for this trip. Last minute, was just thrown in the fire in the deep end of the pool, and (laughs) like went through uh, Istanbul and talked about all this stuff, so my brain is throwing out dates. But the Ottoman Empire uh, fought in World War One, lost. Ottoman Empire owned all of Turkey, like Saudi Arabia, Israel. Interesting. Like a lot of the Middle East, I think a little bit of Africa, and a little bit of West or the Eastern. The Ottoman Empire was, in the, it was still around in the early 1900s? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, they fought in World War I did uh, not know one. that. Yeah. And That's interesting. When they lost, they disbanded, and then all the countries started getting becoming. parceled off. And that's yeah. that's where Israel originally came from. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Israel came. Uh, was it nineteen forty seven? It was World War Two. Post World War Two. Yeah, because okay. of the Holocaust, the UN created Israel. I think before that, it was like part of uh, like I think Palestine actually had its own country, or there's like a. It, to me, it's really hairy because I feel like those lands just kind of transferred po- power, and there's a lot of like tribal stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So I can't remember exactly. Israel uh, had independence from the British Empire in May of 1948. 48. Okay, one year. Pretty old. close. Pretty close. All right, so let, let's circle back to Turkey. We can yeah. we could do a we could do a whole podcast on Israel Palestine, but let's yeah. talk about Turkey. Which for now, so. I love talking about that. So. I'm really curious to hear your perspective on Israel Palestine because. It seems like in American political culture, yeah. if you're a Republican, you're pro-Israel, and if you're a Democrat, you're pro-Palestine. Yes. And that is the vantage point to which I receive all of that information through. Yes. So I'm curious to hear your perspective because you've been there. I've never been to Israel. You've never been to Israel? No, I want to, though. I thought you had. No, we were going to go in 2020. That's right, and COVID shut down. Yeah, I had the vision of 2020 vision. Yeah. Israel. That was our trip. We were going to... Oh, that sucks. I know. I'm so sad. (laughs) Um, No, so for me, it really depends on... And I'm going to take this from like a biblical interpretation. Okay. So, which I feel like is not often the case. I think it's like post-Holocaust, like, uh, I feel like what I've heard is like Jews and Christians are separate and we kind of need to keep it that way. Uh, 
there's a lot of interpretations within biblical texts that like I think are misinterpretations mm-hmm. that don't explain that. For me, I think that uh like Israel, the term Israel meaning the people of God, not the actual country and Gentiles, those are like the two people groups in the Bible. They become one under Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we become mm-hmm. one big family. So we just be- talked about this a month ago in the sermon where it was it, there was a passage that was talking about um, how to break down some of these cultural paradigms, it, like just regarding food, like yes. um, because Jews have extremely regimented things that they can and can, cannot eat, and there were Jew um, Jewish Christians that are brand new Christians that were Jews. I don't know the right way to say it, but but then there are also Gentiles that had recently become Christians too. So they're under one roof as far as their belief system, but there were some cultural boundaries that they were running, or some cultural tension that they were running into just because of their food. Yes. Yeah, because of uh, Jewish law with kosher, you can't, like, eat shellfish. You can't eat uh, pork. pork. So sad day, no bacon. Uh, There's, like, a couple other things that I can't necessarily remember. But, uh, the, yeah, so all that to say, there's a lot of think, stuff with food. I think it mostly has to do with the processing of the food more than anything. So they're, like, outside of the things that you just can't eat, there ha- for some foods, it has to be processed a certain way to be still considered kosher. Yes. Yep. Spot on. And, uh, and so the Book of Romans is actually about how um, this is somewhat controversial. So if I love conservative, like, Christians are listening to this right now. You may fight with me. If you're a reformer, you'll okay. fight with me. But uh, the book of Romans is not theological, like in its core. It's actually about how to live within community as Jews and Gentiles all in one. Because if you look at a Jew and you look at a Gentile, they're completely different in the first century. Mm-hmm. So a Jew is very separate. Like they'll wear different things. Uh, circumcision was a big thing and uh, and it's big because like the Romans and the Greeks loved to be naked mm-hmm. they did just about everything naked so like gymnasium so you go and like like uh, work out you're naked you mm-hmm. go to the bath you're naked well if you're naked if you're a man and you're naked and you're circumcised or uncircumcised people can tell yeah they gonna so know they're gonna know <laughs> so there's a lot of division within that uh, and with like what you eat, how you act, uh, the Roman world, and this is part of Turkey too. This is all like my trip. The Roman world was very much into like, uh, the worship of gods and mm-hmm. deities. Yep. And the Jews would not do anything. So if you were in the, the market, uh, the Greek word Agora, uh, if you're there, you have to pay homage to Zeus or the emperor. And you have to, like, give a little sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now, as a Jew, you can't. Right. But the only way you can get in to sell, like, say, your carrots is you have to sacrifice mm-hmm. to Zeus. Well, you're not going to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times Jews were separate, and they, like, would often hang out in the synagogues. Now, when Christians or Gentiles became followers of Jesus, uh, they started hanging out. So there's a lot of, like, Jews that ended up believing in Jesus. There were Jews that didn't end up believing in Jesus and the Gentiles 
all kind of coming together in one synagogue and they were kind of working out all their issues and that's what Romans is all about. Gotcha. It's like how did God make like uh what's the the term uh it has to do with like gardening. Is it draft drafting? Uh, when you cut like a pruning. vine. Pruning. Well, if you pruning. cut a vine and you put it on to a new vine and oh, it becomes in Yeah, it, I think it's Splicing. <laughs> uh, Wiki it, Joe. Yeah. Help a brother out. Uh, but basically, if draft, drafting is right. No, that is not right. Grafting. Grafting. Ah, uh, big, big brain yep. over here. Yeah, that's it. So when you graft a vine, that's the imagery of it, and Paul even talks about that in Romans. Uh, he says it's the great mystery, and the mystery is that God took all people and put them in one family. And if you scroll way back, Old Testament, in Genesis, you have Abraham talking about how, or God telling Abraham that he would be the father of all nations and bless the world through his line. Mm -hmm. And basically, through Jesus, we all become sons and daughters of Abraham. So I bring all this up to go, the church is now the new Israel. So Gentiles and Jews together are now Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we have a country called Israel, right? But it's not what well, biblically would be Israel, right? Mm. So I think that's why you have like a lot of churches will support Israel, but I think it's a misreading of the text, and they just jump on the conservative, like Republican. I'll use Republican or Democrat because sure. I feel like that uh, just feels like more strong language for how people sure. view conservative, liberal. Democrat, Republican, pretty much same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think Republicans jump to the Israel, like support Israel, Democrats Mm -hmm. don't. But then like conservative Christians, this is why I'll change the language. Conservative Christians often jump to Republican, but Mm -hmm. they misread the texts. And some some conservative Christians actually read it uh in like a more modern way or a more like historical context way mm-hmm. uh which w- what I would deem modern uh but then so all that to say I feel like the country Israel is fine but we just need to realize that we're, like for those who believe in Jesus we're all part of Israel we're all part of the lineage gotcha. rather than focusing on like here are the Jews and here are the Christians mm-hmm. we're actually one big family Mm-hmm. Now the Jews, like, I don't know many people who are Jewish. I, I knew know a, a handful, but I knew a couple people growing up, and they would say that I'm not a yeah. part of the the family. Yeah, guy. like, I, like so, I like the the Jewish people that I've run into in my lifetime. I would like a parallel I would draw to Christianity would be like Christ or Catholics, like. We like priests or Catholics. It, you, you only see them at church on Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Um. And then like the 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 handful of Jewish people that I've ran into, they've got curly hair, but there's no yarmulke. There's <laughs> no dreidel. Like they're very um. It's just it's a. It's, they celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah, and like, that's about it. That's about yeah. Yeah. From my perspective. Yeah. And yeah, so for me, like the whole Palestine Israel conflict. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to say because I've heard a lot of stories of Palestinian kids getting slaughtered by Israelis and the opposite. Yeah. Israeli mm-hmm. kids getting slaughtered by uh, people from Palestine. Right. 
So that to me, I I don't really know. You're you're not boots on the ground for that type those conflicts that yeah. get reported to the news and all that stuff. Yeah, I tr- honestly I try to avoid it all as I can because it's such a hot topic for Americans. Yeah, I think it's just because like America f- uh, could easily be become like the police of the world. I think we do it often. That's I think that's why you see like Afghanistan right now. Like, yeah, the second we left like crazy All stuff hell breaks loose. right yeah. and it's like well someone's got to protect the vulnerable hmm. you know so I'm, like yeah. i'm not opposed to that and i do think like i think with covid and there was like no tourism and then israeli just went off or israel just went off on uh hamas mm-hmm. but then you hear the horror stories of like schools were getting blown up kids mm-hmm. were dying and you're like is that yeah. really like is that really what we should be doing or supporting? Hmm. But then on the opposite side, it's like, well, Hamas always also like is goes, run by terrorists for all intents and purposes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and I feel like there are a lot of good people getting stuck between the two sure. extremist groups. <laughs> yep. You know, and even in Turkey, like, uh, and this is kind of where to circle back to the question of what makes Turkey different. Like there are a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of good people just trying to live a good life. And often the case with like Islamic world, you get these extremist groups, you know, because they're so vocal, they're so violent. You can't hide that. But I'm talking to our tour guide. His name was Gokhan. And we were having dinner one night while I was in Turkey. And I'm like, like after like probably two hours of talking, I'm like, dude, like what's like, what's it like? being a muslim because he's muslim yeah and you listen like he's with us all day listening about jesus yeah and we're like chatting and and i was like so how do you how do you feel about all these like muslim countries all around he's like i hate them Mm. because he's like they're not out to protect all of like uh like all muslims in this world Mm -hmm. they're out to kill everyone he's like they're out to kill you they're out to kill me. Mm-hmm. They just want our land. Yeah. And he's like, if you like go and actually read the Quran, you wouldn't want to do this. And he's like, I, I don't know why. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I've never read the Quran, so I, I don't know. Like, I've read bits and pieces, and sure. I've heard stuff, so I have no idea. But I do think they're like, I have to believe that there are good people. Mm-hmm that are just getting trapped in all this. Like you think of like uh, Afghanistan, all the people yeah. trying to flee, they're jumping on planes and they're falling off. And it's like, I'm sure they're good people because they know they don't want to be a yeah. part of the Taliban. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we kind of in the West kind of mm-hmm. look down upon like people that are Muslim just because like all the bad taste in our mouth from terrorists. Yeah, for sure. Well, I- I had a conversation with somebody who who leans leans left, and I won't say her name, but um, was it Chloe? No, <laughs> no. Um, uh, but she was being critical of, um, or, or she was throwing around the term Islamophobia, and and I and I really don't like it when people do that, especially over just minor disagreements with their belief system. And she was asking me questions and. Um, and I and I said that I was like, you know, 
in in American culture, it's very easy to criticize Christians. Um, But if you look at it from a a global standpoint, Christianity and um, Muslim or Islam, I guess is the the correct way to say it. It's like one A and one B. These are global religions that are are, are worldwide. Yeah. Um, But if you look at the extremists on both sides, that's where I've got a problem. You know, Christian extremists, I would say you might have like the worst case scenario with Christians, at least in America that I'm aware of, you've got people picketing funerals with signs saying that God hates fags. Like that's that I would say that's like the worst side of Christianity that I've personally seen and accounted for. And you've got the worst case with Islam or Muslims is what we're seeing over in with terrorist groups over in Iraq, Afghanistan, all that stuff. Yeah. And, my and here's i'm no expert but every single muslim person that i've ever personally encountered has been awesome right i have no i have no problem with any like like i've met like every single muslim person i've personally interacted awesome person like somebody that i would invite over to my house for dinner any day of the week and I would probably rather go to their house because they cook better food than we do. Oh my God. Dude, <laughs> so, Middle Eastern food is literally the best it's food. Amazing. Oh yeah. oh it's amazing. It's amazing. Chloe, uh, her dad is is a first generation immigrant from Greece, and so mm. like culturally, like the, some of the food that she comes up with that I've never even heard of. We had a traditional Greek dinner tonight that was outstanding. Do you have leftovers? I do. I'll I'll hook you up on the just, way out. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix you up some uh, baklava. But, how much baklava uh, does Chloe make? Uh, she's never made baklava. Okay, but yeah. we, we do the um. What's the, I can't even think of the name of it. Tzatziki sauce is a staple yeah. in our household. Oh, yeah. I will say tzatziki that. Sauce oh yeah, great. yeah. We hummus? always have that on hand. Lots of hummus. Oh, so good. The little individual ones we we keep all the time. Dude, really it's good. Fantastic. Yeah. So, but but anyway. yeah, you're right, dude. Like, there are a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, good people. I do think, uh, and I've heard stories. And Joe, feel free to fact check me on this. But I've heard of like shootings done by Christians. Um, sure, maybe I've heard of a, an abortion clinic getting bombed or something like that. Yeah, I, I that, have heard of things like yeah, that. Yeah, there are, but I do think it's more rare because I think. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'm typing in shootings done by Christians, and one of the first things that pops up is shootings done by Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Uh, that's funny. Um, does it say like by country? How many? But in those circumstances, it's like it's it's an odd, it's it's one oddball. It's not yeah. like an organized, collaborated yeah. thing. With the with the exception being the Westboro Baptist Church which everyone's heard of the whole yeah. Waco thing back in the 90s like yeah. a whole bunch of weirdo stuff like yeah there are more cults I feel like yeah. it's a, like a different sect uh more cults happening yeah but I also wonder too if that's like would Muslims say that about the extremists sure I- I'm sure they you know? would I'm sure they would. like well you're 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 Goku um Gokan Gokan not Goku. Is an example Goku. is an example Goku that. isn't that the dude from uh, Gro- Dragon, Ball Dragon Ball Z oh. yeah I, yeah, Grogu, Grogu is Baby Yoda. Uh, yes, yes. Which I hope you've seen Mandalorian season two. Yes. Okay. Good. Big fan. Wait, I'm really excited for my favorite part of the Mandalorian was seeing Bill Burr in Star Wars. Yeah, especially because he, he hates it. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. not a Star Wars guy at all. And then all of a sudden, I see his 
bald ginger head running around in a Star Wars costume. Not <laughs> only one episode, but he has two yeah. episodes. Yep. That's pretty good. Mayf- Mayfeld, I think, is his name. Yeah, but I think you're right. Great, great cameo. Yeah. Oh, so good. But where were we? What, where were we at? I got sidetracked. Oh, I don't even remember. I love Mandalorian. So yeah. I could... the only the only thing that I'm remembering of what the conversation was is just shootings in the name of Christianity or, or shootings done by Christians. And the only one that I'm seeing is from over five years ago, 2015. Uh, and this guy was in. Oregon College, and he kept asking people, "Are you Christian?" And then uh, he would shoot and kill them if they weren't Christian. If they weren't, yeah. So that would wow. Be a, that yeah. Oh, the same thing so happened awful. at Columbine, by the way. There is a um. Oh, never mind. Never mind. He said, "If you are a Christian, then stand up." And they would stand up. He'd say, "Because you are a Christian, you're going to see God in about uh, one second. Oh, so it's the opposite. The opposite. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, Interesting. I. I do think, though, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, it's very much like peace driven. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like, for sure. turn the other. If someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. If like, uh, if your neighbor needs your cloak, give it yeah. to him. You know, like. Yeah. The Sermon on the Mount is is an inc- is incredibly radical teaching in the opposite direction of what yeah. we would deem as radical yeah. religious teaching. Well, here's something fascinating that really. Uh, it blew my mind. Maybe it won't blow yours, and that's fine. But uh, I was doing a lot of research on the Sermon on the Mount. And back in the ancient times, like when Jesus was around, uh, a lot of political leaders, like if you're an activist, the, some were called zealots in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in Israel, like you would bring all your people up to the mountainside. And you would tell them like all the last hurrah, like your main mission before you go out and like take over the world. Mm -hmm. And like Matthew says that Jesus took his disciples and his followers up to the mountainside. And he said that most of those speeches that were said to like political activists or like extremists in that day Mm -hmm. were all like, I'm going to go kill. Yeah. We're going to go take this city. We're going to go take this land. We're going to go, you know, murder this King. Yeah. And Jesus said, blessed are those weak, for they will inherit the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like an like an up yours to like the the culture at the time. That yeah. So not only is, are the, the words itself powerful, but the meaning behind how he did it is... is the action. You're, almost, you're almost getting the people that would normally be there for that rah-rah, and you're, you're saying like, these are the people that need to hear this the most, and then you're you're hitting them with the yeah. hey blessed are these weak people don't worry about who you're going to kill next like yeah. i'm not here to tell you to kill anyone like realize that the people that are that seem to be the least are actually yeah. the most in the eyes of god that's yeah. bizarre that's when, almost crazy that's when almost you're like, weak you're strong yeah that's like going to a trump rally and then somebody getting up on stage is like hey guys we really need to love all of the illegal immigrants that are, com- that are coming yeah. through yeah yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting. Every every time I hear more, um, like details about the Bible, about the historical and cultural context of what's going on, it always gets better. Like it, yeah, it and it just it never stops. Mm-hmm. Like the whole turn the other cheek thing. Uh, I heard a, a sermon once on that passage, and and so in in the way that you just said. Uh, Jesus' teaching is all about is is generally about pacifism and peace 
Yeah. He also has a moment. He he has like there are times in his teachings where he he tells you when you can flip the switch. When yeah. you, when it is a righteous anger that you can go after and you can you can defend yourself, defend your ideals. So turn the other cheek. The intent of that was to physically turn the other cheek to your master would force them to not use a backhand slap, but a front hand, which would make you their equal. Yeah. And you could therefore legally defend yourself against your master. Which is insane in the Roman world. Yes. Where honor was everything. Yes. So if I had more honor or more prestige than you, then I could tell you whatever I wanted. And you would have to do it. And and you could backhand them without any any repercussions because that showed your authority. But if you turn the other cheek, you are offering them a chance. Like if you want to if you want to say something to me or disrespect me like that, at least let me be your equal. Yeah. So good. Getting ready to throw hands. Like it's like come on, like if you if you want to do this, I'm ready. Like yep. that's oh. what he's saying. Yeah. And and I, I agree. I think the more you dive into the the history of it and mm-hmm. the cultural of it, the more you actually grasp like what these pages mean. Because it changes everything. And then yeah. you were talking earlier about in, in Romans, the whole I- idea of the book of Romans is to teach the new Israel how to live together. And I find it very interesting that the book is called Romans because Rome tried to take over all these different lands and make them one nation yeah. under their banner. And here, God is using the book of Romans to teach the people of the new Israel how to live together from all these different cultures. Yeah, the very center of the world at that day Mm -hmm. is the very place that Jesus is creating a new family. Absolutely. It's insane. And it never ends. Never ends. I know. It's so cool. I think even like, uh, like sitting there in like Turkey, and the seven different churches and just being there. And then you read the letter and you mm. see all the things. So like uh, a lot of times, like people will take revelation and be like, it's all about the end times. It's all about like, uh, you know, the prophecies at the end of the day and all these mm-hmm. things and China and America and Russia <laughs> and a uh, rapture and all that. And I actually take it as like the book was written for the first century for the Christians of turkey because at the end of the uh revelation and i'm gonna paraphrase it but it's like uh actually no i'm gonna actually read this because i think it's really important to get it right okay uh this is basically at the end after john sees jesus's return okay and he goes do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near uh let the evildoer still do evil he's talking about satan or the powers of authorities, or the things of this world that create evil. And the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. So basically the whole idea is like, don't seal it up. But what we've taken with Revelation is, this is a book for later. This is a book for prophecy, for something that's going to happen at a later time. But Jesus is actually talking about, this is happening now. So if you look at Revelation, it starts off with the seven churches and letters to them. (laughs) you can cut that out uh but basically like everything that's happened up to revelation 19 was happening in the time of john it was written to encourage 
the Christians there because there's so much persecution. Remember how I was talking about how like you can't go to the market mm-hmm. to sell anything. You also really can't go to the theater. The theater before every play, you would have to like uh, sacrifice some kind of animal or give some kind of offering to Dionysius, the the god of like pleasure or wine or mm-hmm. fun, you know. Uh, or like in the theater too, you'd have like real life sex scenes. You'd have real life murders. Slaves were getting raped. Like that stuff was happening. And as a Christian, like, do you want to go there? I don't know. Like, you got to make that call. Mm -hmm. But Christians were separating themselves so far out, and they weren't bowing down to Caesar. And that was the biggest thing. Like, uh, the Roman emperors since Augustus wanted to make themselves God. And it progressed into this, like, emperor worship. They called the emperor cult. And uh, and so you have, like, in Ephesus, uh, Domitian is one of the Roman emperors. He's, like, later. He's after Nero. So Nero really hated Christians. Uh, it's around 60 AD. I think like 60-something to like 70-something, Nero was just crazy. He mm-hmm. like slaughtered a bunch of people. He had lions rip Christians off or like rip off limbs. It was awful. Well, after that, there's a couple other emperors and then Domitian. And Domitian also hated Christians. And he wanted to be uh, the son of God. He would call himself Son of God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Huh. We kind of know what Jesus' titles are. Yep. Mm-hmm. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Augustus is really famous. He was the first one to say he was the Son of God because Julius Caesar was declared a God, and mm. Augustus was the son of Julius gotcha. Caesar. Yeah, he was, he was adopted, and he became the Son of God who brought the good news or the gospel to the world of Roman peace. <laughs> so who also brings who brings good news and peace to the world. So we're seeing Christian subculture in Roman in in the Roman culture start to come to prominence like yeah. very very subliminally through that time. Like so they they've got their ear to the ground and they're hearing these things. Do you yeah. think do you think that was more of a, a fact of okay I, I I hear this message and I want to emulate it and I want this to I want this to be my mo, or do you think it was a I'm going to do this to it just appeal to the people so that that the messaging is similar, or a little bit of both maybe. Uh, I think I think God, I I'm going to use a term and I didn't create this. Uh, I learned it about in a book about Old Testament warfare, but it's basically the whole idea of incremental redemption. So incremental redemption means like uh, God throughout all culture is pushing things forward, Mm -hmm. but still using the ideas of that culture. Mm -hmm. So you have like Old Testament warfare, for example, where like uh, in Deuteronomy, it says like if you had a woman, if you your your tribe is battling another nation and you see a good looking woman, you can grab her, bring her home with you, wait 30 days like uh, change your clothing, give her a bath and like, and then go make her your wife. And you're not, if you're not satisfied, go drop her off back in her homeland with her family. Mm-hmm. We look at that today and go, what did the you actual just crap? Yeah. <laughs> did you just kidnap? And then Is there a waiting rape? period on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so that was written like a thousand BC or, uh, 
you know, sometime I think ac- physically written down, I think more like 500 something BC when the second temple was, uh, ri- uh, torn down either way that, uh, at the time though, when it was oral tradition, the Hittites, the Egyptians would go around and they would like go rape women on the battlefield. So if like Justin, you're Egyptian and you're going, say you're going to, uh, Nubia, you know, South of Egypt you go find a young lady, you can go and rape her. Then if you really don't like it, you know what? Just cut off her breasts, put her on a pike, and throw them in your village. How insane is that? That's um, It's hard to even hear you say those words. Right. Yeah. yeah. That happened all the time. Mm-hmm. People were getting cut up. Women were, children were getting raped. So to hear God go, like, take that, awful culture move it along and then go this is the change that we need to like at least start Mm -hmm. that's incremental redemption yeah and so i so i bring that up to go with like an ancient like first century i think when all this stuff was written it was taking language that people knew Mm -hmm. and pushing it forward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so instead of rome bringing the peace because rome promised peace for the rest of the rest of time Rome fell. Mm-hmm. Jesus brings peace. He promises peace, but he doesn't fall. So it's just using that, like the ideas of the time, but then moving it forward. Or like uh, a good example of this too is just like it's uh, contextualization. So like how you explain something to someone, but you may change it. So like if I'm talking to you, Justin, I might use like sports language to kind of explain my idea but for joe i might start talking about engineer like electrical engineering sure. and like kind of connect the dots and mm-hmm. i'll and i use two different ways but i may communicate the same thing at its core but in two different ways sure. like uh like paul in uh i think it's first thessalonians 4 he talks about like uh when jesus returns the dead will rise mm-hmm. and then the rest of those who are living will go and meet him in the air and we look at that and go, well, that must be the rapture. Like, it makes sense. We're going to go escape and then go be with Jesus forever. And I think that's a load of junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Paul's just using language of their day because, uh, like, I'm sitting in Heropolis, which is a city in Turkey. Uh, I don't think it's on this map. I don't think it's on this map, but that's so. okay. It's more... Uh, it's near Laodicea, so it's like around that. It's an ancient city, so it may not be on this map either. But my the whole thing is Heropolis. On the outside of Heropolis, they're, uh, it's called the Necropolis. So a Greek city or Roman city had three areas. An Acropolis. Uh, oh, gosh. Acropolis. No, Acropolis, Polis, and uh, oh, my word. I'm forgetting the last one. Oh, Acropolis, Necropolis, and Polis. Joe, you were going to Google, and I, I so appreciate that, dude. <laughs> Thank you. You're a good friend. You're a gift. Yeah. Uh, if you, anybody ever watches Rogan's podcast, Joe is is our Jamie. So I aspire to be him one day. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> um, so basically the Necropolis is where you bury your dead, mm-hmm. and that's on the outside of the city before mm-hmm. the the gate yeah and so you'd have the necropolis here Mm 
the polis and in between the gates and then like uh the acropolis is the high point where like all the temples are and where like you reach the gods and stuff and for this story that doesn't matter but when a roman emperor would come or like a king and they go to your village because they're going whenever they come visit that place becomes the new capital of the kingdom this happened all the time in the ancient world and you'd have festivals you would clean up your city you would celebrate what would happen is you would go out and meet the emperor and come back to the city with him. So when Paul's saying that, think of uh, Heropolis. You have the necropolis on the outside. The dead will rise first. So as Jesus is coming, mm-hmm. he's coming to Heropolis, let's say. The dead will rise first, be with him, and the rest of the people that are in the city will come out and meet him in the air. Mm-hmm. And then go and live with him forever. Basically, what it's just meaning Paul's taking the language of the day, the example of the day, and just saying that when Christ returns, we're just going to be with him again. Gotcha. So it has nothing to do with the rapture. It just means that, like, Mm -hmm. Christ is coming as victor, as the true emperor of the world. All these fake emperors and presidents and prime ministers and dictators, they're all fake. Yep. But Jesus is the true king, and he's coming back. No, and and fast forward that whole... Well... I, I wanted to circle back and get your opinion on this because it's, it's a hot topic right now. Um, the incremental re- redemption thing. Yeah. You, you said that, and we talked about it before in one of our house church gatherings. Yeah. And y- you brought up a really interesting point about incremental redemption in cultures and countries and things of that nature. Do you see... We're, Put it into context, so 3,000 years or, or 2,500 years later after what you just described um, with the whole, you know, the Old Testament warfare. Yeah. Apply that to today in our culture. What do you think? Because there are a lot of people that are very concerned about the con- the direction that our country is heading in. Um, and... How do you think, do you think that applies today, in, uh, incremental redemption? Do you think that it's possible that we're seeing that today, but because change terrifies people just in general, um, we may not see that big picture perspective? Or do you think it's possible that we are, we actually are regressing as a country? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, to me, those, those are kind of like two different questions. So I'll answer the regression or whatever you want to call it question after this for incremental redemption. A great example of this uh, is slavery. Mm -hmm. So in the Bible, it never says that slavery is technically bad. Right. Uh, Philemon or (laughs) Philemon. Philemon. uh, Going back to our friend, Paul says something like, you know, I uh, wish you would free our, uh, our friend Onesimus because he's a dear brother of mine Mm -hmm. and in the roman world slaves were meaningless and paul's basically saying like if he's a brother then he's equal Mm -hmm. so that right there is incremental redemption but he never says like now let go of all your slaves Mm -hmm. because philemon could have like 30 we don't know right but now we say that slavery is bad Mm -hmm. because morally we can justify like no one should be bound to chains sure everyone 
has freedom. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be free. So for me, that is like a perfect example of incremental redemption. Like, for sure. You know, in the Bible, it was a little bit, and now we've taken it more. Yeah. Or sure. like trafficking, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, all those things. Yeah. Even sex ethics, I feel like uh, like Christianity brought a lot of like sex ethics to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea of only having sex with your wife or husband, spouse. Uh, not like rape, mm-hmm. no rape, no child abuse. Like those things are all Christian values. And I would say like that idea too is incremental redemption where like uh, the Bible talks a lot about like not being sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, or like uh, like even like porn. Like I'm thinking of like, like the Bible never talks about porn mm-hmm. because porn didn't exist. Right. Really? Like there were like weird images, you know, there of like men and women or, you know, mm-hmm. other things in ancient times, but like nothing like we see today. Right. Right. You know? Uh but I feel like Christian Christian ethics says like pornography is immoral mm-hmm. which I agree. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is like another way of pushing incremental sure. redemption. But we still see a lot of those problems. Like, from a legal standpoint, slavery was about, like, it, back in 1776 when the country was founded, you know, slavery across the world not only was legal, it was commonplace. Like, it was a very common part of our culture, European cultures. Um, and um, we Was w- the slave trade abolished by then? Or is it a little bit later? It was later. It, is it I, like 1810s or so? I believe so. Okay. I could be wrong on that. We'll we'll get Joe to pull that up when he gets back from his potty break. But, yeah, come on, Joe, uh, Joe come back. Um, but we're the we were the first country to to tear ourselves apart and go to war with ourselves over it, and we were the first that I'm aware of, uh, the first sovereign nation that abolished slavery as a whole. And by the time that that um. By the time the Civil War started, and I could be wrong, but it was only a handful of states that it was still legal in um, because we, because of our system of federalism, um, most of the states that were part of the Union at that point had outlawed them as states. Yeah. There was just a handful of them that hadn't done that at some point. So we go to war with ourselves. Slavery is abolished. You know, obviously, lots of underlying race problems continued into, into the 20, 20th century as a, as a side effect of that. And in some ways, those those sins still haunt us to this day. But um, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Sex trafficking is is modern day slavery that yeah. we see as a whole, and I think that um, I could tell you some pretty interesting stories. Um, well. I can say this on the air. This is fine. There's a ministry. Do you that want I, me to beep out things? No. Like no, if no. you start saying names, I can go beep. None of this is live. If anything, if I change my mind, it can all get edited. But cool. Um, but there's a ministry called Outreach America that I've um, I I know I don't know him super well, but I I know I know who runs the ministry, and I know their I know their heart, and it started off and. and I don't 
I don't know the timeline super specifically, but it started off as a boys' camp, a boys' ministry. Um, there's a pastor named Gary out of North Carolina, who um, is also outside of his his pastoral ministry was an ridiculously successful salesman at a fortune 500 company in in america and he started his own business outside of church and while he was building a ministry he built an incredibly successful business that just he's he's a multi multi multi-millionaire today wow but his passion was to um number one educate young men in the form of he does all sorts of camps and stuff um and he brings adolescent men into camps and and educates them on biblical leadership uh, i'm sure there's some business stuff in there as well i've never personally been to his camps but Sorry. all of the feedback i i have some friends of mine who have sent their kids there i don't have a, a boy <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um i've heard incredible things but he got connected with uh, somebody that I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but um, he's somebody that you probably have heard of. He's an author in the Christian community. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna think of it. It's gonna come to me in a second. Oh yeah, dude, take. But your time. he's an ex um, ex special ops. Okay. And he the two of them. You might know this. We're talking about Outreach America, uh. and um, the dude that Gary that that outreach partners with to do some of their sting ops that they do in the Philippines and um, I think bald I've, dude. I think I've actually heard of this. Yeah. you. I might have told you this. It's you possible that I've shared yeah. this story before. But... Um, I can't remember who I think is. Clint... I think his first name's Clint. Um, but ex-Special Forces or something like that. So basically, yeah. they started funding these... Um, they they started funding these sting ops into some of these th- um, these third world countries, some countries like the Philippines. Um, I mean, they even did stings in uh, in Mexico, Mexico uh, at, the, at the border. Um, really, some yeah. of the Latin American countries that wow. they've been in. But what they found, basically, what they would do is they would pose as wealthy American businessmen, and they would go in and they would. Um, they would coordinate with local authorities, and they would go in. They'd buy all these kids, like, like six to twelve year old kids, boys and girls. They would buy all these kids, and then the authorities would come in and arrest them, and they'd fly them all out on private jets. Huge operation, yeah. months and months and months of planning. Oh yeah. What they were finding, the problem was ten times worse in the states than it was in any of these third world countries. Yeah, so, I'm not surprised by that. And and so and I haven't heard the latest. It's been a little while since I've had yeah, any contact with them. But I know the last, the last of it. They they're kind of recalibrating all of their operations to focus on stateside missions, which are a lot harder to do, by the yeah. way. Well, it just uh, it just looks different. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, I'm not surprised by that because Brit does a lot of stuff with sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So she goes into like strip clubs and massage parlors. Yeah. Here in GR, yeah, and it's all just brothels. Mm-hmm. Like women are getting raped; they're selling sex. Which, by the way, I, I I've been talking to Chloe about this. Britt, I think, is the first girl that I'm gonna have on the podcast. You should have. I've, her on this I've had an exclusively male lineup because it's time I've, to break through. I've, I've seen this as a boys' club, and I love it. This is like my guy time. Um, 
and sometimes it is a little bit diff- more difficult to coordinate you know the yeah. whole having a having a girl over and all that stuff but Brittany's friend we're we're all friends so yeah, yeah it'd be her. really cool to have you know you guys come over and I was going to say I'll I'll come over yeah, too that would be Just that would be chip great. in every once in a while because I I heard her talking at one of our events that we did and I was like holy smokes like I had no idea that's going on a mile from my house yeah so it's it's unbelievable to hear some of that stuff yeah so and we saw and she knows this a lot more and you can get into the details when you have her on but a lot of it's just like the brokenness of america yeah the brokenness of uh girls getting in the foster care system Mm -hmm. the brokenness of sexual emotional physical abuse Mm -hmm. uh so i think that's where a lot of these things all tie in and uh yeah i think it's easy to see like oh overseas thailand you know they have a huge sex culture you know and there's so many girls but there's a lot of like uh weird websites online that you can buy sex and you can figure things out and it's real real bad it's awful in the Mm -hmm. states um you know i think uh the human heart never changes i think at at our core we were designed for good, but we easily uh, can get in the camp of evil. Yeah. Or in brokenness. You know, I think our world's very broken. Yeah. Um, but at our core, we were supposed to be good. And we are good, but I think we, uh, the evil route is the easy route. And I think for like sex trafficking, the heart of like, the heart of Rome is the heart of America. Yeah. There I are a lot of parallels you can draw. A hundred percent. This goes back to your second question of like, are we uh, digressing as a society? And mm-hmm. I, w- I would argue that we were never a Christian society. Look at the founding fathers. They were never Christian. They were spiritualists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were agnostics. They believed in God. Thomas Jefferson's famous for taking out all the miracles of Jesus in his Bible. He said Jesus was a good teacher, but he was never king. Mm. And if you look at the gospel, that's really the core of the good news is that Jesus is king. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord of this world, not the emperor, Yeah, not Satan, Yeah, not the powers and authorities over this world. So that to me, like, uh, and maybe this is a longer podcast. I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, all the, the time recording. in the world. Perfect. Uh, I think that's where, like, you know, as we see America, there are four things of like, uh, uh, of an empire. Uh, it's military, economic, uh, ideology, and, oh gosh, what was the other one? Someone famous said this and I've stuck on, on, or it's, uh, I'm three out of four. That's a good batting average. Sure. Yeah. Uh, 750 nothing wrong with that that'll no. get you in the hall C- of fame c's get degrees yeah. that's 75 percent <laughs> on a test right there but basically america has all those we have our own ideology we have our own economic power mm-hmm. where we consume uh and we produce we have our own uh what i say uh military military yep so we so have our own military yeah joe hit me uh, characteristics of an empire are a centralized government, a strong military, a dominant position in the global political theater, and imperialist control over other nations slash territories. 
kind of sounds like America to me. Pretty close, yeah. I I think I could argue for each of those. Yeah. I mean, the the literal example that they give is the United States. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's Rome. Rome yeah. had power over the known world at yeah. its time. So my I like to consider myself kind of a, a an a, a traditionalist as far as how I see America. And I think that Oh, sorry. That's that's embarrassing. It's a bad host, <laughs> bad host. <laughs> no, right you're there. fine. Um so the way I see it is that can you read Thank those you, off again, Joe? Centralized government, strong military, dominant position in the global political theater, and imperialist control over nations slash territories. So the way that the country was founded and the intent of the founding fathers, and if you and if you've read any of the Federalist papers, America's was America was actually designed to have zero of those four things. Yes. From from the framework of how everything was supposed to be. We were supposed to be an isol- an isolationalist colony, and that the isolationalist isolationist. You got it. Um, yeah. Ugh. Good job. The isolationist dogma lasted what two hundred years, leading up to like World War One. I, the I believe Spanish really American went... War is when we jumped on the world. Yeah, that's that's real. That that was kind of like dipping our toes in the water, but yeah. really it was World War One was yeah. where we really kind of flexed our muscles. Yeah, um, we grew up and became a real boy. Yeah, exactly. So, and then from the, can you put that on my screen so I can oh, I, I can flip through those? Absolutely. Um, colonial colonializing other you, Joe. countries in the world. That's what I'm here for. Um, that that was never part of the original plan a strong centralized military the the federal like uh i believe it was thomas jefferson said the federal government should have two responsibilities assembling a navy to protect our borders and sending mail that's it (laughs) so i think our federal government has progressed a little bit beyond that and our post office service is not that great right now, so I feel like Thomas Jefferson's rolling in his grave. Yeah, of all of the major mail carriers in the world uh, in the U.S., I think they're fifth. So I think behind <laughs> FedEx, UPS. Uh, What's the PCS? What's the uh, Amazon? What? Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon's better than all of them. There's like a random cur- a cur- carrier, courier, however you courier. Say, yeah, how you say that? Yeah. Like, there's a random one in GR, and I feel like they're better than oh, 100%. post office. The government sucks at everything. And then I'm actually really intrigued to hear like that he was so specific about that because if you look at the Constitution, uh, and this was uh, reinforced by, I believe, the Eighth and Thirteenth Amendments uh, in the Constitution, it states that the federal government has no responsibilities that are not distinctly outlined in the Constitution. And there's like a a weird clause in one of the amendments where it's like unless the people vote it through or the people don't stop it or something dumb like that. Loopholes, yeah, lots of lots of (laughs) loopholes. And Congress is really like there's there's a hundred lawyers in D.C. that basically decide the direction of the country. The president's kind of a lame duck. But it doesn't matter if it's there or not because if no one if no one knows the documentation and no one no one knows that exactly that's that's what it is, then it doesn't matter. That's why all the bills are like ten thousand pages long. Exactly, Exactly. and you have to be a lawyer. to understand it basically yeah. Yeah. so which they all are by the way every single senator has a, some sort of legal background that i'm aware of yeah. um so uh, oh i don't doubt that but like my 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 point that joe I'm making, doubts that he's google I, I know that i know there's a 
I think there's a couple. Like, well, specifically okay. senators. Senators, yes. specific. Yeah, yeah. Representatives. I was say representatives there's, doc- there's, there's a, a lot bunch of representatives. Yeah. State reps. Like, Peter Meyer is a state rep for us, and he's a, he, Peter uh, Meyer owns Meyer. Yeah. yeah, so he's a businessman. He has great stores. Yes, good stores. I, I enjoy going to Meyer. Um, what is favorite it? Meyer? Uh, I have a bunch of them. I do the ship shop thing every once in a while Ooh. to make money. So I'm a big fan of Naps Corner. Naps Corner is oh. probably my favorite. Me too, buddy. Yeah, it's the best. South South or 28th and Kalamazoo. That used to be my because I lived like a walking distance nice. to it, um, and it's really small, so it's really easy to get in and out of. Um, except when there's nine thousand people in line and two yeah. cashiers on staff, that that's a little tough sometimes. I can't stand that one. Yeah, yeah. You go if you go like late at night. Sometimes it's good because there's nobody in there. But if you go during rush, forget about it. You'll be yeah. in there forever. So, anyway, Joe, favorite Meyer. Favorite Meyer. Uh, yeah. I live by Gaines Township. I gotta oh, represent Gaines the home. Town. Yeah, Gaines Township is good. That's a classic Meyer. Yeah, because that's that has Target right next to it. Oh right? yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's pretty good. Yeah. And it's right by Chick Fil A too. Mm. I got my banking career started in that Meyer when Huntington used to be in the Myers. Oh um, yeah. That's where I got. I I was stocking shelves at Walmart and I got a job at that Huntington in that Meyer. Yeah. And really? uh, that's where my financial services background, quote unquote, Ooh. came from. I bank so, with Huntington. Good for you. They're they're good. They from, seem nice. Yeah. For my, I've been with four banks, and I I don't know. Huntington's had a lot of changes. They they've gone through three mergers and acquisitions in the last four years. So they're wow. they're um, they're that's a lot a different deal. now than mm-hmm. what what they used to be, but. They're good for just a regu- just a consumer standpoint. I presume on the offensive side of that, they're they've been very aggressive as far as yeah. banks are concerned. A lot of bank. I don't want to get into this, but banks are a lot of the bigger banks are consolidating their their power right now. There are two banks, Chase and Bank of America, that actually aren't f- from a federal standpoint. They're not legally allowed to buy any more banks because they've gotten so big. Because then. It- turns into monopoly exactly so yeah. the federal government came in and, and the, there's a what's the word for it um, um they backhanded them basically <laughs> so now they're gonna they turn, said, the, other turn the other cheek yeah <laughs> um so yeah it, by the way if any politician ever gets a paycheck from a bank to go in and do a speech be very very wary of that politician i'll just i'll just say that right now so lots of money Wells Fargo is another, another one that's not allowed uh, to buy any other banks. Yeah. Um, they're huge. Yeah, they're they're giant on the West Coast. But um, um, ah, I can't think of the th- that doesn't matter. But anyway, um, but a lot of like PNC, for instance, they overnight they bought two banks and now they're the fifth largest bank in America. PNC. Wow. They're they're a regional bank out of Pittsburgh for years, and they have recently they bought BB and V. BB and V Bank, which is all along the southern coast, like Texas, Southern Cal, Arizona, Florida, like all along the southern coast. Wow. And they bought them, and now they're the fifth largest bank in America. <laughs> I just love how you know all this stuff. Yeah. But I yeah. just love, Ask too, me that about the Federal Trade Joe Commission and I, time. <laughs> well, I just love that we both accepted as fact. You could literally be making all this up right now. I could be. I could be. <laughs> but Joe has not Googled it all. That's how much trust Joe has for me. I, I 
that is his realm. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll stick to microphone levels and yeah. everything. Banking, that's all him. <laughs> yeah, we could all talk. Just, we could, I don't touch. We that. could also get into the federal. I know reserve, my lane well that's enough. A, <laughs> that's that's another funny. rabbit hole we could go down another time. So, anyway, but yeah, my America. point being, we got into all this. My point being is that, and this is why I, I staged that question: Have we gone? Like, are we regressing as a nation? We have the longest. We're, we're the we're the youngest nation in the history of the world, but we have the longest standing constitution. And my concern is we're going down the exact same road that Rome is going down. And I would, and also, yeah. I would challenge you a little bit. I don't think that we were. Please challenge. Yeah, me. I don't Please think we, we as a nation were founded. I think we were the the idea that America was founded on was founded on Judeo Judeo Christian principles, where I think you're right saying that each and every one of the founding fathers was a flawed human being as we all are. And so they're not above reproach. And Ben, Ben Franklin, Ben Franklin is the most obvious one. Ben Franker, Ben Franklin. Um, Pretty sure was, he populated half of France, right? He, he notorious for having prostitutes. Yeah. Like the, he, like as far as in, as far as, he, not like a great human being. Like not yeah. somebody I human would want Genghis my Khan. Yeah, <laughs> like, like to do a lot of things <laughs> with women for sure. But that's, but, that's that's the other thing. So, uh, I think the the question becomes, and I don't know either in either direction, but to play mediator between the two ideas. Really, oh yes, Joe. It has thank nothing you. to do with necessarily with. Were they a good Christian, but were they a Christian? Sure. Or can I take one step further back and go, can a nation be Christian? I think that's my... That's a good question. That's my question that I always hold as like the... Like in the back of my mind, can something that's not a living being, human, mm-hmm. living being... We can talk about if dogs are Christians, you know. I, I feel like dogs are... My dog's not a Christian. My dog is. <laughs> My dog's a socialist. So, <laughs> hey, there are Christian socialists. There are. So there are. Maybe. Yeah. But I, that, to me, to take your question and to zoom out even more, that feels like the question that we could answer. But it doesn't have to be. So the uh, to to push back, the country doesn't yeah. have to be Christian. Like the country isn't an entity that is Christian. Yeah. Right. The, but the it can be founded ideals were founded like the those, ideals of the country yeah. were based on Christianity because yeah. you need to have so like every culture has a moral compass that's like having having a sense of morality within that culture is part of what makes a group of people group of people a culture yeah so there has to be a what is right what is wrong there has to be a, a way to set a baseline for laws and in the case of the founders, to your point, they may not have been practicing Christians, but they saw enough value in that system of morality that a lot of the ideas were transferred into the Constitution and how the country was originally set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and, and that, and like that's my biggest concern is assuming that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How far have we fallen from that? Well. Can we go back in history? Sure. Because this might help. This might be a really long monologue, so forgive me. I'll brace myself. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll I'll try to wrap it up. So if you go uh, Western history, we're just going to focus on Western history. Sure. So you have Romans, and they're crazy. Yep. They're absolutely like 
in Ephesus, you have a library, the third largest library in the known world at its time. Across the street is the Pleasure House. It's a brothel. People were like, the greatest leaders of the society of the day were going, we're going to go get educated. We're going to study all these texts mm-hmm. and then go across the street and w- rape little kids. Mm-hmm. That, like, think about how awful that is. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Rome becomes Christian and it absolutely destroys Rome. Right. Because how can you do those things when Christianity teaches you to like love your wife and only love your wife? Right. So you can't do that anymore. Then you get medieval times, the dark ages, some scary stuff. Excuse me. A lot of it's just medieval like little villages. There mm. are some like thought in like uh eastern Europe, like in Germany and stuff, there are a lot of a few scholars and a couple of scholars in England, and mm-hmm. you have more like uh, theologians and stuff, and they're talking about Christian values sure. because at this time, all of the West becomes Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but the yeah. Roman Catholic Church had a, a lot of influence in that medieval time, yes. and these these priests and bishops of that time were were their rock stars in their community. They, they, that Roman culture that fell, yes. that seemed to be carried on by mm. the Roman Catholic church in the, in the medieval time. To and the institution of it, I think was like the yeah. big thing. When, they were wealthy. They were the like, wealthiest people in yeah. those yeah. communities. A lot of times were these priests and bishops and cardinals or whatever they called it back then. Because they actually became the leaders of the city they were in. Right. So, right. like, in Italy, you have, like, the Papal States. You have all these little city-states. Yep. Uh, and then you fast forward through all that. You get to the Reformation, and it's the rediscover of Greek and Roman thought. And I think this is a key to where I'm going next with all this because uh, you have all these ideas coming back. So, like, Greek ideas of, like, humanism. Like, humans are the greatest thing, and knowledge is the key of the world. Like, the more you know, uh, like, the better you are kind of thing. And we can know all things. We can put all things down on paper. Like, that's very Greek, but it started going back into the Reformation. Then you have, or sorry, not the Reformation, then you, uh, the Renaissance. Did I say Reformation? You said Reformation. Reformation. Okay, sorry. You meant Renaissance. I meant Renaissance. Yeah, so Renaissance was 1400s to 1600s. Sure. And it was kind of like birthed out Italy, and then mm-hmm. uh, came a lot out. of uh, a lot of music came out of the Renaissance period. Like yeah. some of the early, early classical composers, like Vivaldi and Bach, kind of sprung from that yes. that Renaissance movement. So, yes, exactly. Yep. And then coming out of that, seventeen uh, hundreds, and this is where the founding fathers really jump in. You mm-hmm. get the Enlightenment. Okay. And the Scientific Revolution, which says, even pushes the whole idea of Greek knowledge even more. Mm-hmm. Like we can know all things through science. Mm-hmm. We can know all things through logic. And I think for me, those things aren't inherently bad, but they're not necessarily Christian because they're not necessarily Jewish. So like for a Jewish person, they don't need to know all the answers for like an ancient Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would just rely on the fact that, like they know that like God, they're chosen people from God. There's a famous saying like when a Jew doesn't know, they just dance. 
<laughs> like, but to us, that's crazy, right? Sure. So I bring this all up to go, I do think uh, things were influenced by Christian values. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a certain amount of ethics that went in things, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of logical ethics that kind of uh, weaseled their way into Christianity. Mm-hmm. But then Christianity kind of influenced mm-hmm. American ethics. So, yes, I do think like American ethics started out with more Jado, Jude, Judeo, Judeo-Christian. Judeo, yeah. thank you, uh, Christian values. But uh, I don't think we have to hold on to that because mm-hmm. I think there's a misconception after World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the evangelical movement really jumped on this, like, we have to make America Christian again. Because mm-hmm. uh, throughout America... MAGA 1.0. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was uh-huh. uh, Make America Great Again version 1. Because you have, like, the Great Awakenings, which were a response to the Enlightenment. The Billy Grahams of the world. Well, the Great Awakenings were, ac- like, George Whitefield, Whitefield, uh in the 1800s. Okay. So a lot of like uh, Presbyterian Methodist mm-hmm. preaching, like going out, bringing in new communities where like the Puritan is like the legalism of Puritans were like bad. Mm-hmm. And then you'd kind of like get more into the Methodist side, mm-hmm. John Wesley, Charles Wesley. Okay. Those names, like that's a more great awakening. Uh, John, uh, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. I think a couple were Puritans, but uh, that whole idea, it was kind of like this idea to make Christians like follow Jesus in America. Mm-hmm. It, let me ask you this. Is yeah. any of that inherently bad? No. Or do, do you think that maybe there's some watered down or maybe misleading teachings that came from those movements? I, I think that's where I, I think at the end of the day, everyone just tries. I think, yeah. So I think at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to make the best with what they got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I think if people have a pure heart, they're just trying to do what they think God's called them to do. Right. There are some people that are just evil. Jesus talks about having wolves in sheep clothing. Mm-hmm. And I do think there are people that pretend to be pastors or spiritual leaders or we ministers. We started with that. We today. started yeah. with that. Yeah. And I do think like there are people that are out there to, to steal and destroy. Mm-hmm. But I think most people are inherently good and they try to do that. And I think that's what the Great Awakening was, Mm -hmm. is a reaction to like, you know, maybe we don't need science for everything and God is still real. Yeah. Mm. And that's real. Mm -hmm. That Like, you know, as Christians, we can say that. Not that science is bad. I love science. I think it's great. It's a great tool. Right. Well, I think that's something that a lot of Christians are struggling with today, especially with uh, the, the climate around COVID. Um, that's a huge one that is brought, you know, that to the forefront. And I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm not saying that it's not dangerous, but like, you know, there are a lot of Christians out there is that I've asked this question to point blank is, is God your God or is Dr. Fauci your God? Yeah. Or can I ask another question? Sure. Is your conspiracy theory your God? Fair. Very fair. Mm -hmm. I think both and. Why do you think that Christians are susceptible? Do you think that Christians are more susceptible to conspiracy theories? And I'll, to be fair, and yeah. I, as a tin as a member of the tinfoil hat community <laughs> over here, um, I'm running out of conspiracy theories because a lot of the ones that I had last year are coming to fruition this year. So I'll I'll. 
put that out there that there are a handful of them that I've carried that have been correct. But well, I think there's teaching, and it's a good teaching mm-hmm. in Christianity that says Paul says in Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians five or six that our battle is not flesh and blood, blood, but against the powers and authorities, and uh, that hold like dominion over this earth. Mm-hmm. Basically, meaning like it's spiritual. Yeah, and I think uh, I and I think that's true. I think there are a lot of things in this world that are spiritual, you know, like, uh, and we can get into that if we want, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think because of that, that highly influences us to want to think that there are like things outside of what we know in, like in things. So Mm -hmm. like, was 9-11 real? Sure. You know, or like the Columbine shooting or like Sandy Hook or those stage, like, Mm-hmm. And I think we're just more susceptible to those things because we already know, like, maybe there are there is things yeah, outside of this world. For sure. Now, on the flip side, though, I feel like we're also, like, trying to look too hard. Mm-hmm. I know way too many people that devote their lives to conspiracy theories, and I'm like, is that really changing your life, though? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you... Are you loving your neighbor anymore? Yeah. Or are you just so worried about what people say on social media? For sure. You know, no, and I say this from from an aware tendency that I have that I um that I have to be careful sometimes with some of the rabbit holes that I go down. And I'm and I'm and I am cognizantly aware that I have whatever it is in my DNA that makes me very curious about alternative narratives. Yeah. Then and some of it is a lack of trust and authority. Like I think that that some somewhat is the root of it, I believe. Um and I when like if you lie to me once, I don't trust you forever. And that's kind of a that's a personality thing for me too. So there are a lot of a lot of talking heads that if I if if I hear untruths coming out of their mouth and it's one thing if somebody says something and then there's new information that's uncovered, and then they say, "Hey, I was wrong. Here's what we know now." Yeah, I can, I can, a hundred percent accept. I'll respect you more if that's the case. But what I can't stand is when people go on TV or people in my personal circle that I know personally will not only when they're wrong and they know that they're wrong, they'll just double down on it, and then I, I just don't trust you anymore or the institution that you represent in certain circumstances. So yeah, but I feel like. Most people do that okay. when it comes to anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like I've experienced... This normal human emotion. Yeah, I feel like I've experienced a lot of people that, like, just don't like to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I do agree. Yeah. You know, I'm playing slight devil's advocate, you know... For sure. ...to push back on you. Yeah. But I do wonder if, like... I wonder if people take things way too serious and they just don't accept things as is that yep i that's yeah i feel like that's kind of part of it like i think uh so in the early church there's this idea of gnosticism and basically the idea is that there is hidden knowledge in this world hidden secrets and you got to find it Mm -hmm. and it's a greek idea it influenced the early church and there's a couple writings in our text that were like fighting against early gnosticism and I see a lot of conspiracy theories like that, like 
there are hidden secrets of this world. Yeah. And we need to find them. Like New World Order type stuff. Yeah. Illuminati. Federal Reserve and all that that stuff. Yeah. Basically anything with Nick Cage. Right. Yeah. Or Alex Jones. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, Dan Brown. You know, like uh, whatever the... What's the thing where there's a group that's protecting Jesus's descendant? Oh, the um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That I think that was the or the no, no the Freemasons or the yeah, is the Knights Freemason? Templar. Nice Tem- yeah, that's what. It and is. there's like yeah, another name for it too. Yeah, the Da Vinci not. Code type. Yeah, stuff. and it's a great book, a great movie, but there wasn't a ton Tom of, Hanks. Yeah, another Tom Hanks. Another movie. Tom Hanks. What, what's the odds? Uh, but I do think there, I think there is a level of like. I think people just don't want to believe what they read. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a level of distrust in the internet too. So it's For like, sure. what can you read? It's true or what's not true. But I think that's where community comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can talk to other people and be like, is this true or is this false? Right. And if you have like community like buy-in and most people are like, right. no, I don't think that's true. Like, I feel like that's where you can be like, yeah, your conspiracy theory is a little nutty. And yeah. I think that's where like, today especially i mean if we're if we're talking about are we progressing or regressing as a as a society we're put in this era where you can find a community around anything right you can find a community of people that all believe the same conspiracy theory right and And the internet makes it easier to do that by the way because the algorithm forces that for sure so you you run into this i think there's a cat underneath me yeah you can kick it if you want to (laughs) did you get a cat uh, my daughter got a cat, actually. Aww. I did not That's get a adorable. cat. No, you get a cat by default. <laughs> You're a good dad. His daughter yes. got a cat, and before that, his wife got a cat. Yes. <laughs> Although, I like this one. I like It's a kitten. It's not a cat yet. By the time it becomes a cat, I don't know if I'm still going to like it. I actually do <laughs> boy like or girl? this one. It's a boy. What's his name? That's Coconut. Coconut. And uh, my Coconut. sister-in-law, her cat had kittens. And Aww. so we got we ha- we actually ended up to we're rehoming one of them for her. Uh, we're finding it a home, so we actually have two of them right now. And uh, the other one is just black and white. And so Claire wanted to call it Mimi, and I was like, No, this is temporary. We're calling it Skunk. <laughs> so this cat is <laughs> nice. named Skunk, and when it gets new owners, they can name it whatever they want to. Oh, so I hope they coconut keep Skunk. And skunk. <laughs> That's yeah. great, dude. So, anyways, yeah. uh, as far as like progressing or regressing, we have. Uh, a time where anyone can find a community around anything. Yeah. Anyone can find support for or against whatever they believe in that moment. And I think part of the issue is the meaning of words isn't really there anymore. Like you can say words and they don't always mean the same thing. There's no, uh, there's no baseline. There's no baseline. There's no consistency across time with the meaning of these words. And we, I mean, as as we were talking about before with with the Bible, you you're talking about translations in that case, and it happens over time with old English to modern English. Things get lost in translation, yes. and the the translation has happened so quickly as technology progresses and as culture progresses quickly and is integrated across uh, these different pockets of society, specifically in America in the melting pot, where nothing has a base. Everything is free floating. So you. Maybe we are regressing because of that. Yeah, what are we grounded to as an, as yeah. as a culture, as a nation? Well, and and this hit me to kind of uh, 
help with that too is I feel like maybe we are regress regressing. Regressing. regressing yeah oh my it word hit it's you late too. it was gonna happen it, yeah <laughs> joe joel hi my name's joe and my buddy is joel joel uh, i'm joel nice to meet you uh i think uh if we regress i'm okay with it because i don't think we should ever try to hold on to the values that were never ours anyway i think we kind of lose we kind of lose our purpose if we try to make America the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with the four things, we have economic, we have ideal ideas. I won't try to say another <laughs> Ideological. word. Ideological. Thank you. This is why we need community. Right. Uh, we have military and, oh, political. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It hit me. Yeah. There you go. The only one that the kingdom of God is, is ideas. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I think when we try to force kingdom of God in economics, political and military, I think we lose all purpose of what the kingdom of God is. Mm -hmm. It's to love Jesus, to confess him as King and be people of peace. Mm -hmm. To me, that screams like if America is becoming more liberal, less conservative, then let America do its thing because America is not Christian. Mm-hmm. Now it may have started out based on Christian values, but I don't think we need to hold on to it. I think for us as Christians, I think we need to hold on to our values. Right. I think it's easy in the book of revelation. Uh, Jesus talks about the Nicolaitans. Those are people that wanted to uh, be Christian, but also wanted to worship the emperor. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you profess that Jesus is king if you're worshiping the emperor? For sure. You There's can't. a whole lot of hero worship as far as our emperors or presidents in the last 10 years with Trump and Obama. Lots right. of emperor Biden, not so much. He's he's seen Uncle Joe. At this point. Yeah, it's yeah. Sleepy <laughs> Uncle Joe. But he just, he just when, pays for all of our projects and, right. you know, yeah. helps us out. Yeah. Gets us new cars. For sure. No, definitely lots of hero worship for both yeah. Trump and Biden, Obama in the last 10, 15 years. So yeah. there, yeah, that's it, definitely a thing. Yeah. And my point is just this is like, as Christians, as America regresses, like, we just need to hold fast to what we believe is true Mm -hmm. we just have to stand firm right love our neighbor who's like ourselves Mm -hmm. and love god right those are the two biggest commandments and for the rest we can figure it as we go but i think like yeah you know like joe i think you have a good point and i think we are regressing you know i'll change my mind as we discuss this uh but I don't think we need, yeah, I just hold the, the fact that I don't think we need to hold on to it. Right. I think we waste so much time trying to be like something that sucked anyway. Yeah. Because I, like, I think post-World War II, we got like real, I think a lot of evangelical stuff was like make America Christian again. And like, but it was like these glory days that weren't even real. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a lot of these like American values that jumped into Christianity that we're never supposed to be there in the first place. Sure. And so it's really interesting too because I I f- consider myself I I consider myself to know more. 
I'm not an expert by any means, but I feel like I know more about American history than the average person walking around. I, I feel, uh, and I, I, again, not an expert, but I, I would say comfortably that I know a little bit more than the majority of Americans walking around. That's that's kind of my. Um, it's your hobby, isn't it? You know, you know, my dad was a World War II buff. My dad was born in 1947, and so he was born. He's he was, a baby he's boomer. A baby boomer. Um, and so his his dad fought in. He, his dad was a medic, I believe, in World War One. Um, so th- there's there's some of that military culture. My 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 grandpa, who I actually the previous podcast to this one coming out, um, my my grandpa served. Um, he enlisted, I believe, the year that World War World War Two ended. Um, my grandpa on my mom's side, so he and he was in in the military from about right roughly 1950 to 1970. I I, I might have had those dates a little bit mixed. Maybe 1957 to 1970, some something like that. A 20 Sounds year period right. in the mid 1900s. And so I and so my family, I've learned a lot from my family, but it's also created an interest to learn. You know. I paid attention in school. I took a couple uh, U.S. history classes, a Civil War class in college. So sweet. Um, but you're well versed in American history. I would say so. I, I feel fairly confident that I could hold a conversation with most people. I've I've read a handful of Federalist Papers. Most people don't know what those are. <laughs> so, um, but learning the history of the of Christianity in America is something that I feel like that cat is so dumb. Um, but so cute. It's so cute, but it's so dumb. Um, but hearing from you talk about the history of the church in America, I think that that's something that we should talk more about because I know, like, because I, I grew up Catholic and yeah. and I didn't really. I thought you like you were going to hell. I say I'm saying this facetiously, but I thought you were going to hell if you weren't Catholic up until I became. A Christian at nineteen is what I was. I, what I refer to it as. So, what like? Do you think there's any like a lot of value that we're missing out on not learning kind of the history of the American Church, or do you think it doesn't really matter? Oh no, I think it definitely matters. Okay, I think we lose out on like uh, where we came from, how we got here, yeah, why we believe what we believe, right? Uh, seeing the mistakes of our like our generations in the past, like for sure what worked, what didn't work, what was crazy, you know, like what we need to recover from. I think all those things, like you can definitely learn from church history, you know, like, or even like when people ask, I get a lot of questions about like denominations and how we all got denominations yeah, and stuff. How, how we got to where we are. Yeah. And you need to know history in order to get it. Exactly. Because then, you know, like you understand why some people like split off. What made the difference between a Lutheran and a Calvinist, or Calvinist like, and a Reformed, and all that stuff? Right, exactly. Yeah, a CRF well, or RCA or whatever the hell. I, like, yeah, they're <laughs> pretty much all the same. Yeah, honestly, any people that are Reformed that will listen to this, I'm sorry, I trashed your denomination. <laughs> He's not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, yeah, I do. I do think it just helps kind of figure out how we got here. Mm-hmm. You know, like even, uh, I think we're living in a post evangelical world and evangelical church started really out of the fifties. It's much of like the go tell people about Jesus, mm-hmm. non-denominational churches. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, 
we're really living in a post evangelical world. So like, but we need to understand how we got to evangelicalism Mm -hmm. and how, because a lot of people got burned from it. Mm -hmm. And what do we do need to do to move forward? So that to me, like, yeah, you definitely need to know history. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do another segment sometime on speci- and we stay specific with it on American church history. I, I think that would that. be super interesting. Yeah, be sweet. I would love that. And then I'll read up a little bit on American history too and we could have an interesting back and forth. Yes. What what was in my my view on America right now is what what was what was intended versus what's actually going on right now. And that's something that I struggle with because at from just a, a general success principle that I've read about dozens of dozens of times in a bunch of different books is that if you worry about things that are outside of your control, you'll go nuts. Yeah. And I find myself doing that a lot with our political climate that we're in is that is any one of these things, these restrictions, these whatever it is going into like do how much of that do I actually control? And yeah. the answer to that question most of the time is it's out of my control. But I also wonder, like, you know, how ma- how many people collectively saying that X, Y, and Z is out of my control, therefore I'm not going to worry about it. How ma- like the major if we get to a majority where that ends up being the case, we're we're steering a rudderless ship mm-hmm. through through the sands of time. Yeah. So I that's what I struggle with and and I don't have the answer to it right away. That's why I'm really glad I I have deep rooted Christian faith because at the end of the day I'm going to be all right. Yeah. When it's all said and done, I know what's going to happen. But the my my concern is that you know, I have studied history and I'm seeing some writing on the wall that I really don't like. So that's what I struggle with is like how much how much do I let this consume me and how much do I pursue this stuff and how much do I just you know what I can't control it I'm going to I'm going to do me I'm going to take care of my family and at the end of the day it is what it is. So I kind of struggle with that. That's an honest thing that I'm putting out there. No, I love it, dude. I think I think a lot of people wrestle with that. One thing that I think about when it comes to this stuff is that I think you like if you have a circle of influence, often people take your cir- circle of, of influence and try to, like if there was arrows pointing out, you're trying to make your circle of influence bigger. Mm-hmm. But I would offer advice and go, focus on your circle of influence and what's inside of it. Mm. And eventually mm. it might get bigger, it might get smaller, who knows. Yeah. But it's all about what God has put in front of you first. It's about loving your neighbor mm-hmm. who thinks you walk around with the your dog. It all comes full circle. Yeah, it always <laughs> wow. comes for full circle with me, buddy. Or my neighbor. It takes <laughs> not yelling at my neighbor and just giving her a hug. You know, yeah. like. Uh, but I think uh, I think it's all about you know because America society talks about like changing the world. Mm-hmm. You know, or like I've heard that like uh, you know. You want to work in your community, the people you know, mm-hmm. the people you have a relationship with. But also, too, I've heard that, like, a lot of stuff with politics, the things that don't actually, like, impact you or the things that actually impact you are just local politics. A hundred percent. 
So it's like the things out, like who cares who's president, who's care, who cares who's like mm-hmm. senator or representative. They're gonna sure. do their own thing, no. you know. And this is just my belief. So please push back. No, 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 no. Hold on. You're a hundred percent right on that. Yeah, and absolutely. I just until... had a conversation about this with with my my dad's cousin. Oh, um, I'm in good company. Up until yeah. two years ago, I I like my firm, but like I have a lot of friends in the second amendment community the gun community that you know are you know they're concerned about who's in office because of um because of gun laws and stuff like that they're afraid that you know there's going to be restrictions that clamp down and I'm, I'm a legal gun owner now but somebody in washington signs something and all of a sudden i own guns illegally it's a moral conundrum for me like what's going on and i argued forever that the 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 changes you have to be worried on are on the state and local level yep. yeah. and not the federal level like i've i've and got ammunition in my desk drawer right now like <laughs> i'm very much in favor of all that stuff but yeah. in 2 years ago 100% it was what happens in washington dc does not affect my life and yeah. so my pushback to to both of these things i actually have like a question or not i'm going to kind of springboard off what Justin was saying and then ask a question to you, Joel. Please. So also in the 2A community, just got my concealed carry. I'm currently carrying a gun right now, nice. funny enough. Uh, but I promise I won't harm you. <laughs> I promise I won't harm you either. Perfect. I'm glad we have this agreement. <laughs> but um, We're friends now. I yeah. think that hit friend level from here yeah, on out. Exactly. Joe and Joel, friends. Uh, that's awesome. So what Justin was saying is like the the local politics matter the most. Yeah. But I think the issue that we're getting into today and why I I'm on on board with saying the country is regressing in yeah. a way that I don't like is the federal politics because a lot of people look to the federal level because they don't take the time to understand locally because it's way easier to understand at a higher level yeah. the, and and oversimplify the federal legislation and the federal uh, governors are now affecting local politics at a much higher rate than should happen. The the original, if you if you read the the kind of beginning of the Constitution and what I was talking about earlier, where uh, the government doesn't have any uh, like any ability or right to do something that's not written in the constitution. The main things that are written in the constitution for the federal government to do is protect the border, uh, interstate issues. When something exists in multiple States, they take care of that stuff. Uh, it's essentially like keeping the peace. Yeah. Uh, step in for, to help commerce continue pretty much like a giant babysitter for all the States and making sure that no one attacks. So if that's the case, if the fe- if the federal government's job is to oversee, make sure that states don't fight, make sure that no one fights any of the states, protect everyone, then why is the government making laws that affect our day-to-day lives? Why is the government uh, giving mandates, the, the federal government giving mandates on health stuff when it should be at the state level? Or... Why is the government making laws that affect the ability for a person to have a certain type of weapon if that's a state issue? That's where my concern comes. And then my question to you, you were talking earlier about 
it doesn't matter if the United States continues to have these Judeo-Christian values because it's it was never meant to be Judeo-Christian. It was it it is a country and it has these things. The Christianity lives in the ideas outside of politics and economics and everything. As a Christian, how do you rectify being a good citizen and trying to find trying to vote your way or or influence the community around you as a citizen of this country with your ideas aligned with Christianity. So if if the country is moving away from Christianity but yeah. your ideas say Christianity is the right way, how do you rectify that being a citizen of the country? That's a great question. And I think that's what the early church was wrestling with too. And I I I think yeah. that to your point, like that's everyone's trying to do the best they can. I'm I'm just yeah. curious with your it seems like you're adamant about this and I'm I'm curious to hear why you think about <laughs> yeah. it this way. Yeah. I well, I think there's a lot here. Yeah. It's a big question. question. Uh the thing with the big government versus state government, mm-hmm. I honestly don't have really an opinion on that. I don't know too much about all that. Uh but you guys seem like you have a lot more knowledge, so I'll defer to you guys. <laughs> but please enlighten um enlighten me. I'm a student. I'll learn. Uh for me when it comes to like all this I just feel like uh I feel like we always look to the government to do what we need to do. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is like uh I hear a lot of Christians talking about like if we want America to be great again or if we want to change this in America, we look to politics. We look to our politicians. We go and we vote for our, you know, um your cat's hitting my ear my headphones right now the cord it's really cute no coconut's adorable she unplugs your headphones then oh yeah i'll do this oh (laughs) sorry total derail (laughs) uh cute animals always stop me in my tracks uh i think okay i gotta gather my thoughts because i'm in cat mode um so I really do think that like Christians look and uh, go, okay, our our mayor can save the day. Hmm. If we put our, if we vote for this mayor, they're going to do all the change. If I vote, so like say Justin's running for treasurer. If I vote for Justin, then he's going to do what I want. And I go, man, it seems like we're putting our hope in America. We're putting our hope in politicians. We're putting our hope in people. Not that that's necessarily bad, but are we truly putting our hope in Jesus? Or are we truly being the church when like Christ has called us to take care of the orphan, to take care of the widow, to look for the oppressed, to like be active? So for me, like as we see America uh, step away from uh, like Christian values. We can't hold loose or we can't hold tightly to it because I think we just have to go like, uh, and this is the spiritual side of it is like the things of this world, culture, society. Oh, the cat's back. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, go get, go get your dad. 
No, it's still your cat. It's still your cat. It's your kid. Uh, so Joe, you can take it with him when you leave. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> My dog will what eat this cat. What happened to Coconut? Uh, it just ran away. But I do think, though, that like this is the prime opportunity for the church to live out its true calling. Hmm. And that is to be the kingdom. To not, you know, like Paul says, to not be citizens of this world, but of heaven. I think that's actually Hebrews, which Paul didn't write. But To be the, in the world, but not of the world. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. To... Like, the fascinating thing is that most cities, a synagogue was in the middle of the city, Mm -hmm. surrounded by so many temples, so many brothels, so many markets, so many theaters. All this worship was happening, but the synagogue was often in the center. And the synagogue was the place where, you know, like, Jews would meet, plus Gentiles when they became Christian. And there were some Gentiles that became what called God-fearers before Jesus came and they were of this world. They were in this world, but not of this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us today. So it's interesting how you explain that because the way that I understand it from a political perspective actually aligns with what you just explained, but the way that we talked about it earlier was different. So it's funny how that happens. I had had a conversation with a friend of mine and, and he was talking about like, the politics, like, he, he's very Italian, Catholic, very devout Catholic, great family friend. And he and I were talking about, like, this is the direction that we generally both think that we should move the country. We, we have these, these values that tend to align, and we say, we would like to see this country in this way. But our paths were different. So he, much to what you just explained, kind of had this thing where he's saying well we want to have the values in the legislation and in the structure of government and i've actually pivoted so i've, I've had a, a huge political journey in in the, the last few years to sweet to give the the summarized version and hopefully you'll uh understand just by this 2016 i voted for bernie and then for hillary 2020 i voted for donald trump so like there's a little bit of flipping going on. Yeah, that's polarizing. <laughs> yeah. That's so, one, yeah. There was a lot of like research and, and discovery of, of my own that I had to go through to, to go through that process. But uh, I've become much more confident in my political views and a lot has changed. So, but part of that journey was realizing, much like you're saying, that the government isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to solve our problems. Right. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but there was a president that was quoted saying, one of the scariest things you can hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Like, (laughs) right. That's coming from the president of the United States. And you know, it's bad when the president says that. And I've kind of taken that to heart. And because of that, I've, I've moved more towards like a libertarian mindset where I would much rather the government just step away, step back and let the culture, let the, the people in their communities determine this morality. Yeah. And so for to relate back to what you said, you, you were talking about the sphere of influence. You find your tribe, your your church, your community, and you guys hold this moral standard for yourselves. And maybe, just maybe, other people will see that and see, you know, I really like the life that you have. I really like the way that you live your life. What causes you to live that way? And that's how the, the, the gospel spreads. And then yeah. this sphere grows a little bit. And then the the morality shifts. And I think 
like what you said, that's the way that you, you change the country is through the culture from the ground up. Yep. But in politics, you also have, I think you also have to combat the negative. You have to stop the, the overreach and, and uh, stop when law gets in the way of culture change the way that it should from a, a natural standpoint, from a bottom up standpoint. Yes. I love that example of being the church. I don't know if I'm necessarily there yet. Sorry, I'm pointing at you and I You're realize good. that's not it's <laughs> just I feel like it's a gun. I got my thumb up, I'm pointing uh right, you be careful. <laughs> I know, dude. Oh hey, you said you wouldn't uh, harm me. I know. So. I, I, I'm a man of my word. I'm just messing. Hev- heavily no. armed in the Rakowski yeah. yeah. Podcast Network studios. <laughs> but I just absolutely love that idea. Like, it's the community. It's the organicness. Highly relational. What you described. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I think the thing that I'm not necessarily there yet, and maybe I'll get there in my journey with politics, because we're all on a journey as mm-hmm. we figure this stuff out, uh, is maybe we can vote for the things that we want. And I'm cool with that. I think the fault is when we have the expectations. So when we yes. don't get the things that we want, we get angry, and then we expect non-Christians to act like Christians. Mm-hmm. And that's where I go, well, we can't. They don't hold the same values that we do. Mm-hmm. Right. So why would I want... But it's, it's, it's back to standing up for what you believe in. You, yeah. your, your vote, and I, I think even in a more local level, as we, as we talked about, like the local is much more important than the federal the federal can get in the way, which is why I say like, you need to vote in a way that you think stops the bad moves from happening federally. But on a more local level, you have your local vote getting involved, talking to your representative, to your senators, uh, County commissioners, County commissioners. Board, yeah. Every, all, every, stuff, all of that stuff. Like, people that you actually know. Right. But or even more locally know. than people that. People who live a mile from here. Yeah, yeah. Even more locally than that. How you spend your money is also a vote. Oh, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So, the I don't I completely lost my train of thought. But like your your influence uh doesn't need to be with an expectation. Your yeah. when you when you spend a dollar at Amazon, yes you're supporting them, but like if you stop purchasing things through Amazon because you don't like the way that they run that company or you stop using Google products because you don't like the way that they run their company. That doesn't matter. Like you can't expect you as an individual to change a company that large. Right. But if you can stand on your principles and you say, this is my vote. I have a vote. I have an influence. I am someone. I have importance. I'm equal in the eyes of God to anyone else out there. Jeff Bezos is no better than you or I. Right. He just has more money. Yeah. Has more influence in the world. Right. So people need to realize that their vote does matter in their if if their vote changes their sphere of influence. If I, if I if I if I go to my sphere of influence with my friends, my family and I say I'm no longer using anything affiliated with Google. And they were to listen to me. They were they were to believe in me and believe in the way that I think so much so that they also change their vote. And that gives them the the volition to change 
their spheres of influence. My sphere of influence by nature grows. And that is what affects Google. That is what affects a city, a county, a state, the federal government. Yeah, it's the community. Mm -hmm. When a community can back something. And the, the genius, in my mind, of how this country was formed is based on that system. It is meant to say these small communities can have their values, can have differences. But if enough of those communities start to believe in the same thing, you can steer the ship of a nation. And yeah. it's it's cool. Yeah, I think that's sweet. I think the danger that lies in that, though, is that I feel like politics can be divisive. Mm-hmm. So for me, like as the church, I wonder how much we could avoid talking about politics and not getting into it. Not because the politics are bad, but because I feel like, uh, you know, like if you walked in a room and you said you voted for Hillary, mm -hmm. there are multiple churches that would applaud you, applaud you. There are multiple churches that would hate you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Donald Trump. Yeah. And it's so easy to jump on that bandwagon. So I think in theory, all the things you said were amazing, but the practicality of it, I feel like if we talked about our values and then we gave it up to the person. I'm saying that's what's important, though. I'm saying the, the values are important, and then the politics comes as a result of your values. Yeah, so if you communicate values as a community, then you just assume, in a way, right. that like mm -hmm. Proposal 1 says maybe it's like we're going to get rid of all human trafficking. Propos and that goes back to the expectation, though. Like you, yeah. if, I, if I communicate my values, yeah. and for example, I could sit here and explain to you why I voted for Donald Trump in the last election over Joe Biden. Yeah. I, I have a list of reasons there. I don't like Donald Trump in, in every aspect, but for me, he was the better candidate for where my values lie. Right. And I can sit here and we can have this conversation of where my values are, at, how I apply that to politics, but I can't go expecting you to believe the same way that I believe. Right. But right. here's, let me interject here. Yeah. So the media, we, we were talking earlier about having a, a, a baseline. Mm -hmm. The yeah. fact that we can sit here, whether we like, I, I don't know where you stand. You, you seem more of an apolitical being then at least that's how you that's how you come across and yes and i think you enjoy i think you enjoy challenging people very um um after band practice last thursday i were chloe and i were talking about it and i was like you know you in like a leadership role i i would describe you as like a velvet hammer and the reason i'd say that is because way you you are Your so nickname. positive and so That's a great band name. Yeah, the Velvet Guys, Hammer. You want to form a band? I think, Velvet I think Hammer. We could do it. I think we could do oh, it. Man, I'd have to percussion get keys, the, get the rust off vocals and guitars. Oh, this yeah. would be a great th three piece band right here. It'd be <laughs> great, yeah, man. So, but the way that your leadership style was is that you were so positive and uplifting, and you're on everybody's team. But you also had no problem coming in and correcting people when mistakes were made or coaching people up. It's your job. It's what you do. You're good at it. Thank you, sir. But also, but the base, the baseline in all of those relationships is that you're you're the music director. We're here. We're trying to put on a good show. I, if if you make a mistake and I correct a mistake, I'm not attacking you as a person. Like right. you're a good person. 
and we're all working together towards a, a specific common goal, you just made a mistake or you did something that you thought was right, but it wasn't right. So I'm going to, I'm going to correct you, but I love you. You're a good person. This, that, and the other. Right. It's the same thing about like with talking about politics. This is how it should be. This is not how it is all the time. But when we're talking about politics or these broader social issues, you know, you coming from a apolitical, I'm assuming background, Joe being a former liberal democrat leaning to now being a little bit more conservative republicanly like our baseline that we we alluded to this earlier is the fact that we have christian belief system that that we subscribe to and that we're able to work through a lot of these things these different issues but at the base of it we're not getting upset at each other for having a different way of looking because we agree on 95% of the problems that are out there. Yeah. Now how we go from point A to point B to solve those problems may be different. Right. Um, but we're all, we're, we have the baseline. Yes. And so if we, if we as Christians to have these, cause these are not easy conversations that I mean, I, I feel like, we'd all get along and we could go to a bar and drink beer and have a great time and we'd be friends and it would be super easy. So this might not be the best example, yeah. um, but having a convers going out of your way to have a conversation with somebody with this, some, somebody that does not have a similar background to you or a different belief system. When you don't have that baseline, it's so easy to get your feelings, to get your feelings hurt hmm. when people are coming at these issues from different standpoints absolutely so and and i think we can agree we can wrap up on this because it is getting kind of late but um you said we had all the time in the world come on yeah we do and i have (laughs) such a good thought to wrap up go for it (laughs) well maybe it's not good but uh i think at its core it's a game of identity Mm -hmm. i think everything in america gets trapped in someone's identity so I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm conservative, I'm liberal. And if we strip it all away... Mm-hmm. All right, let me let me add something to that yeah. too, real quick. I'm gay, I'm black, I'm transgender, I'm, Asian, I'm trans whatever it is. Yeah. There's so you could identify as a rock. Like you yeah. you could do that if you wanted to. Yeah. Today, I'm an Apache but, even your work. <laughs> I'm a nurse. Yeah. I'm a teacher, for sure. I'm a, you know, student, you know, uh 100% I think everything becomes about who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think if we strip it all away and just say, I'm a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. all of our problems, maybe not all, but a lot of the problems when it comes to conversation about this stuff yeah. would go away. As long as we start there. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, chapter two is to how to how to address these things with people that, that don't have that same background. I'm curious. I, so I have uh, a couple of friends that are very different for me in sure. uh in values and everything like there's one one friend and i i've talked to him politically and it seems like he just wants to piss people off as as a as a hobby p- politically but i'd be curious <laughs> if i could get uh them to agree to come on and, and have a discussion oh boy i might need more beer anyway joel <laughs> your, well your closing thoughts well <laughs> with that though i feel like it's just asking questions mm-hmm. i think people just need to be heard i think they want to say what they want to say they need to be validated they need to be identified. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, yeah, it sounds like you're, you know, really liberal. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're really conservative. Like most people want to feel good about who they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think of like your friends and I don't I don't know them. So it's hard to be like, 
Yeah. Oh, I would say this to Steve or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or Karen, whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it's just like having an open conversation and not saying thoughts, but uh, asking questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in a world of when people want to say statements or tell you what it is, I think if you ask questions back, I think that will disarm them so much more mm-hmm. than to fight. Because at the end of the day, you're just going to fight with them. And where are they going to, where are you going to get nowhere? Yeah. So there's no point. Very good. Very good. Well, that's a wrap gentlemen. Can't thank you enough for coming out, Joel. Thank you. It's good to have you back in studio, man. Yeah. I missed you a lot. Joe, it was an honor to meet you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You're a gift. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. See part two. This will be part one of a two part series. And next time we're out, maybe in a month or so, we'll have Joe, 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 Joel. Both of them back in studio, and we'll do a little uh, American church history. I think that would be super interesting to dive into. So that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for t- If you're still with us, you're the greatest human being on the face of the planet. We're two hours and 30 minutes into this puppy. This is one oh of the, long- my word. This is two one of the hours longer and 30 ones minutes? that I've done. Wow. I typically keep them like an hour, so this is uh, a... Yeah. This this, this, is might, a this might be a two-parter in general. This might be a two-parter. We should do two parts. Let's do three yeah. then, because we'll do ancient church history or American church history. Next I'm just time, saying this so. this one will probably split up into one or two. Nah, cool. let's just put the whole thing out there. Maybe we'll clip it. Yeah, yeah. there's this a few parts to clip out. out. It'll probably be like an hour and a half, hour yeah. forty five minutes. Yeah. It'll okay. be good. It's all good yeah. stuff. All right. Well, thanks for thanks, tuning guys. in, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great night, everybody. Bye, friends. <laughs>